we won a national championship for for Ole Miss and um, all the past players and all the fans across the country and for the state of Mississippi and the University of Mississippi, uh, we did it. And, uh, we're national champs. Breaking ball. Tommy White. First pitch swinging. In the air to center. D'Onofrio back and it's gone! The legend continues! Got him swinging! The Campbell Campbells, the dynasty of the Big South. And now Tony Vitello bumps the third base umpire. Set. He'll throw that as the line drive in the gap. Did he do it again? It is another ball in the gap for Morrell. Another extra. Oh, that is gone. A home run for Brian Morrell. Swing and a ball driven. Way back. And foul. No, gone. He did it. Ortiz kept it just there and walks it off with a grand slam. What is up, college baseball fans? Welcome to the weekend number two recap of the 11.7 podcast. What we're going to do this episode is hit on all of the great storylines that happened this week, all the viral moments, you know, how we usually do. Also break down some teams that either we're in love with or teams that we hate. Uh, we'll give our three winners for the weekend, three losers of the weekend. Also give out some really good player shout outs. Uh, it's going to be a really fun show. We have I have 18 bullet points on my planning list right now, and usually it's about 12. So it might be a little longer episode. We're going to try to run through it quickly and keep it entertaining. Um, but, you know, to start off the show, we want to thank our partners at Yacker Tech and Baseball Cloud as usual. Premier sponsor for us this year. Really just changing the dynamics of college baseball and uh, one of the, my favorite things that they do is they have so many real-time stats that they're able to send us, you know, between exit velocities and uh, spin rate and, and launch angles and all this. In fact, we actually used it today with uh, Jack Caglioni's monster game that he had for Florida. Uh, te- I texted one of the guys over at Yacker Tech, and boom, they sent us the, the spin rates and the exit velocities, distance of the home runs. Uh, and his and his fastball velocity. It was incredible. So they have so many different programs that they're partnered with right now. And um, you know, it's just think of it as a, a track man or a rap soto on steroids. Um, all laser, um, all laser focus and everything. It's a it's a good, it's a really good products and they're really nice to work with. And they're sponsoring our mid-major poll all year. And that's why I wanted to start with that. We just released our week two mid-major power rankings um and it's dude it was tough this week dimitri correct me if i'm wrong but it it took us a long time to come up with this it was just a jumbled up mess between really spots two through 25 it was ooh, this team might be better than this team on paper well the top top 10 
pretty solid, just kind of one or two spots here and there. But for, I mean, it's still early. It's hard to really get a full gauge on some of these teams, but 10, 10 through 25 with, with a big, like a lot of teams can deserve it. You can yeah. make a case for a lot of teams. Well, the, the cool thing about the mid-major power rankings is, first of all, it's non-power five teams, right? And we made it simple this year. It used to be you know, non-power five and the American conference were not eligible. We thought about this year making the American and the Sun Belt not eligible. But what we saw this weekend was pretty interesting to me. You get an Illinois team, middle of the road, Big Ten, not a heavy favorite in that conference at all, traveled down to Southern Miss, who Southern Miss fans always give us hell about Southern Miss is not a mid-major, Southern Miss is not a mid-major. Okay, I understand your point. You guys have a lot of fans. The attendance is always great. You have a lot of great resources. But at the end of the day, you don't have the the revenue and the, uh, you know, the, the school attendance that some of these Power 5 schools have, such as Illinois. And, I mean, Southern Miss was one pitch away from being swept at home by Illinois. And I'm not saying that this is what proves Southern Miss being a mid-major, but it kind of helped the cause of, you know, some of these mid-majors in the Big Ten, you know, they're, I mean, not mid-majors, some of these power five schools in the Big Ten can still play good baseball. And uh, anyways, with all that said, I know I just went on a tangent there. We kind of want to run through our mid-major power rankings, top 25 right now. Um, And I think obviously... East Carolina is number one by far, right? There should be no argument. Yeah, I think East Carolina is no doubt number one, and we jumped UCF to number two. I think sweeping Clemson on the road, we can't can't do much better than that. I mean, can't argue with that. You can't argue that. And then Grand Canyon, um, there's a little bit of preseason. I want to say a little bit of preseason bias in that number three ranking, but um, win over Tennessee. Taking care of business against Ohio State. I mean, they've won plenty of games where it's like, okay, this team is good. They're confirming yeah. the preseason hype a little bit. Um, yeah, no and doubt. And Santa- well, what? and then I just want to hit on Grand Canyon real quick. One, they probably have the best win out of any mid-major team, and that was against Tennessee opening weekend, right? Uh, but there's something about Grand Canyon, and, and you and I kind of texted about this. They're not a very fun team to watch. You know they they, they play fun to watch. they play kind of a 2012 style college baseball. There's a lot of hard hit singles, uh, a lot sack bunts, stolen bases, safety squeezes. Pitchers throw strikes, but it's not electric 98. But they get the job done and and they win ball games. So it'll be interesting how they play out a whole course of the year. I expect them to be really good. I expect them to even be an at large team if it if it has to come to that. We'll learn. Yeah, hey, we'll learn this weekend what what they can do in a three game series against the same team all weekend. They have Texas State coming to town. Um, that should be a really good series. I think that'll show enough more about both teams. I mean, we had we dropped Texas State to ten after they lost two out of three to Oral Roberts at home, and I think we all know how hard it is to win a slam Marcus. The only team to do it last year was Georgia Southern, and that was a really good Georgia Southern team. So. It's not easy to win and slam Marco or Roberts did it. Um, but I think I think Grand Canyon and Santa Barbara are three A and three B. Santa Barbara went on the road, swept Oregon. They have two 
kind of shitty losses on their record right now, but whatever. It's early in the season. Um, but sweeping Oregon in Oregon, pretty pretty damn good. Yeah. Um, one of the teams here in the top 10 that stand out to me, and I, I don't want to say I called it, but I told everybody at the beginning of the year, I liked this raging Cajun team for Louisiana. And sure, there was some doubts about the team. Are they going to be able to get people out on the mound? Who's going to step up in the role on Friday night? I mean, they answer the question. They had a four-game sweep against BYU, and and BYU was in our mid-major power rankings last week. It was it was very impressive what Louisiana did. Now we I know we have this theory that we came up with last year that sometimes these West Coast schools that we'll call them white collar they travel down to the the swamp of of uh, <laughs> of Louisiana and face the raging Cajuns at their place. It's a little bit of a culture shock, a little tad bit of a culture shock, and, and BYU never made that adjustment. So I really like this Louisiana team uh, as potential sleeper in the Sun Belt. It's not not going to be easy to play down there. You know what I? You know who I'm impressed with? I, I mean, I'm not surprised that they're good. But Campbell, they lost. They had lost a first round shortstop and a first round Friday night arm, right? No, top. He was the top five arm, top yeah, five round. Top five. I think it was in the third round. Third, third round maybe. Friday night guy in a first round shortstop, and they just reloaded. I mean, they did get to keep um, Q K Kuehler, who's a flamethrower, ninety five up to ninety eight, whatever it is. Their only loss this year so far at the Rutgers. They beat East Carolina in the midweek, and then took care of business against Butler. But the it's not it's not the team that they beat. They were down nine to two early. Came back and tied in one in ten inning. So like that's easily a game most people can just fold and oh well, we already got two this weekend. They came back the win that game is sweep. So that says a lot about that team that they feel like they're never out of it. Um we put them at seven. I think that's a strong Campbell team that goes to Louisiana this weekend. I'm so fired up for that series. Campbell so, I mean, at Louisiana. I mean, in our top ten, we've got Texas State going to Grand Canyon. 10 versus 2. Number 9, Louisiana going to number 7, Campbell. Number 6, Georgia Southern had UCF coming to them, or they're going to UCF. I don't remember which one. But Georgia Southern plays UCF this weekend. So we've Dude, got three this, week, this weekend series pick em is going to be absolutely bonkers. The, I mean, this past weekend was great. Don't get me wrong. But next weekend, we're going to see who the real college baseball experts are because – there's going to be a lot of mid-major series in there that are elite RPI building yep. mid-major series. Um, yeah, I mean, and people people keep tweeting at us like, "Hey, talk about our team, talk about our team." And I I haven't really gotten to respond, but it's like, we'll get to your team. Like we we try to cover as much as we can each weekend over the course of the season. We'll cover some team more than others, but we'll get to your team. Like it, it's hard. It's like there's three hundred something teams. It's hard to get, cover every single one every weekend. It's so, it's hard like, we'll because your team your your time coming over a hundred games going on at one time and I know or and and not that this is a bad thing but we get so many Twitter notifications that are consistently just popping up popping up popping up always has so the twenty see. plus yeah there's there's just so many things going on where we're trying to do three things at once we're trying to one watch the game with our own eyeballs we're trying to see which games we need to watch by refreshing Twitter and seeing what the situations are. 
And, you know, of course, we try to interact with our fans that are tweeting with us or at us, uh, sending us, you know, clips of things. All that's great. But uh, it's very, I don't want to say it's a difficult job, but it might be harder than playing college baseball. It's covering covering over 100 games at once on a Sunday or on a Saturday or Friday night. And if you you get too caught up in one single game, like – for example, today I got I got a little bit caught up in the UCLA Vandy game. I was getting pissed off because I picked UCLA to win the series. They were not they were they had a terrible strike zone against them, and I was starting to get really irritated. And I was losing focus on other games and other things going on. And I was like, "Yeah, dude, I can't get emotionally invested in a single game." I, was like, yeah. I realized like <laughs> I can't just watch one single game. I have to pay attention to all these freaking games. So. Um, yeah. With that being said, I mean, for the hey, shout out to the shout out to the teams that jumped in the t- uh, mid major top twenty five for the first time. Oral Roberts jumps in at twenty five, winning two out of three against Texas State. Lamar eight and zero to start the year. Peckham, the the I think their their phrase is fear the pecker, fear the pecker, <laughs> or something like that. Fear, fear is cracking pecker. me up. Uh, Abilene Christian had a great week here. Uh, they beat Oklahoma in the midweek and then won three out of four against Lamar. Uh, what did Lamar do? They beat, they beat Kansas State and Lamar beat Kansas State, Texas A&M, Stephen F. Austin, Houston Christian, and somebody else. Uh, and uh, then we have, of Abilene. course, Portland, which was the big story of the weekend, winning two out of three at Texas A&M. The, all those teams hey, by jumped the way, in. By the way, I can't believe you never saw their logo and didn't know they were uh, not. They were they're they're an not aeronautical pilot a sea pilot oh you're talking about portland yeah Yeah. portland pilots i'm thinking they're a type of plane i never even took the time to look at their logo i get it you can be a boat pilot sure that's cool they should be the plane anchor in it yeah but think about i think an airplane logo would be way cooler for them but they're not they're not airplane pilot they're why would they have an air i don't know man they're based on the sea pot, whatever. Anyways, okay. New Mexico, pretty strong start to the year. They've been a pretty bad team over the past couple of years. Yeah. So shout out to them. 2023 been treating them right. Um, I think for the most part, that's it. Troy. Troy's still undefeated. Hey, there's what 12 undefeated teams left now that Cal State North 13, lost. 13. 13. We, we, hey, by the way, if you've seen our graphic, you've seen us delete posting and deleting, posting and deleting, getting all kinds of records and stuff right, wrong. I don't like the name name, but a certain certain website has been having issues this this year. They he's been posting all kinds of wrong records. Warren and Nolan teams are winning game it. with a big red L next to their game and with a loss. So that's been throwing us off, which has been screwing up the graphics and posting on Twitter, ruining it. So that's on that's on us. Yeah. Um Hey, let's do this here. Let me let me do the other sponsor. Of course, Circa Sportsbook in Las Vegas. They're sponsoring our weekend series pick'em, which we'll go over here. Talk about the six series that we had to pick from uh, later in the episode. But yeah, Circa Sportsbook posted college baseball gambling lines. They have futures available right now, and they're they're, they're sponsoring our weekend series pick'em and our survivor pool pick'em for this year. And Shout out to the two guys in the weekend series pick'em that went six and zero. Demetri, do you have their names? Because this weekend was almost. I will impossible. give them a shout out right now. Um, so while you're looking out. that up, while you're looking that up, I want to. Oh, I already just, have it. Shout oh, out to Harlan Harris, six and zero. He went five and one last week. That's an 11, 11 and one start. Then Alex so Barham went six and zero this week. 
to make it 11 and one as well. Those are our two leaders. And then we have one, two, three, four, five, six people at 10 and two, which is really impressive. I mean, they're, they're doing better than us. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm eight and smart, four but... and I'm eight and four. Are you eight and four? What? Are you eight and four as well? We're I'm both eight, eight and four. four. Yep. Well, Hey, I went five I... and one this week and my only loss was the one that I don't even know why I picked TCU because I've been so, I've been rooting for and, you technically went four and two. You technically went four and two. That one win should just be handed over to me. I should be nine and four. You should be seven and four. For what? What are you talking about? The UCF. That, that, you didn't really pick UCF. Oh, you talked me into UCF. That's right. You didn't really pick UCF, so that should count as two wins for me. I took your advice. I said, you know what? When you're when you were sitting there and you're like, hey, this is this is going to be UCF's coming out party. I can see it now on Sunday. Everybody's going to be like, wow, is UCF back with a sweep at Clemson? You called it. You you literally nailed it from, from the start. And I credit you. I'll, I'll credit you that win, but I'm going to keep it on my on my record. <laughs> so five and That's one selfish. this year, eight and four on the season. And yeah, it's going to be, dude, This nobody's out of it. Even if you're six and six right now, or if you're four and eight, you're still in it. We have, oh, I yeah, believe, yeah. 13 weekends left. Roughly in six games a weekend. I saw someone. I saw someone say, "I went two and four this week. I'm out. I'm out of it." I'm like, I didn't no, respond in our Discord, but I was like, "Dude, you got eleven. You got twelve week. Twelve weeks left. You are, and you, and you, you're only what six, seven games behind. You're not out of it. You're, you're right there in it. That's one it's, bad week. It's and just one good as weekend. easy. It's just as easy to go zero and six as it is six and zero. And if That's some people at the top though. start going zero and six. You can make up ground, so nobody's out of it. Uh, anyways, I want to do a, a few shout-outs here for our Patreon members that have joined. We have over 160 now, which is incredible to me. It's blown my mind, blown my expectation. And, of course, I told everybody that every episode until we get everybody, I'm going to name about 10 to 15. So we'll start here with my probably my favorite name, Blind Man Nate Clark. Cannot confirm or deny if Nate Clark is blind, but he claims he is a blind man, Nate Clark. We also have James McGrath and Stasia Vernon. Love that name. Grant Patterson, Blake Gardner, my little brother, Will Upton. Ah, I should I should have just left him off. Anyways, Ben Cooper, Jim McDonald, Hamp, Grady Gardner, Jacob Sailors, TCU legend, Todd Lambert, Ben Block, Justin Harrell, Alex Barham, Brandon DeVille, all of you guys, thank you so much for your subscription to our Patreon. It's It means a lot to us. It helps us out a lot as far as the expenses that go on you know, with all the different websites and streaming services we have to pay for. And Dimitri's you know, uh, you know, graphics and video editing stuff, it's, uh, it really helps us a lot. And so we appreciate every single one of you. And we're just hoping to con- continue to create better content as the year goes on. Uh, and yeah. So anyways, let's dive into some of the top storylines, Dimitri, because... Hold on. Before we get into that, I just want to say a quick shout out. I Mississippi State, I love you. Friday night, you had me so pissed off that I put any faith in you as my survivor pick this week. Oh, that's right. We both had him as our survivor pick. But you know what, guys? You proved me wrong. You proved me right and wrong at the same time. You proved me right that it was the correct pick. You proved me wrong in that I thought we were dead. I thought it was over. 
you guys had me fooled. I hope that these two wins turn that team around real quick. Sometimes that's all it takes to, to give them confidence. Say, hey, we can we can win any game anytime. And, and they that's didn't just why win. I, they beat the shit out of them. Like they blew them out two games in a row. So Mississippi State, I apologize. Friday was disgusting, but Saturday and Sunday were beautiful. So hey, that's why it's really important as like a season long thing and resume builders or you know, when it comes down to bubble watch at the regionals, you have to look at each weekend series is really just one game. That's the way I look at it. And because if you win two out of three on your weekend series, that's that's a win. If you lose two out of three, it's probably a loss. And, and you can have games like what Mississippi State had on Friday night, just getting absolutely schwacked by Arizona State and then coming back and salvaging and even impressing people with the series win. Um, and you're right. We both had them as our survivor pick, and we're both still alive. There's 42 people left, and it started with 103. I think 43 people, 43 people lost this weekend due to Clemson and or, or sorry, Clemson or TCU were the two big ones. And so we're down to 42 people left. Really, if one of us wins it, I think we have to give it to the second place person, the trip to Vegas. Or we can just get the whole trip to ourselves, get all the benefits that the person Stop. would have gotten and give it to ourselves, stack and stack and reap all the benefits. No, I'm just kidding. I, I will intentionally, uh, pick a loser and if i win that i deserve to win so anyways um hey so let's do top storylines here and i think there's no better place to start than what jack jack caglione did or caglione did for florida it was if you guys don't know this name and i might have pronounced it wrong i didn't look up caglione cag cag it's spelled caglione but i think it's jack caglione Anyways, he's a left-handed pitcher who had Tommy John, I believe, after his senior year of high school or maybe his freshman year at Florida. And he's also their three-hole hitter. And so on Sundays, he gets to start. He's mid to upper 90s from the left side. Well, he was their DH all of last year. He was there playing every day last year, just as the DH. Yeah, and so he was up to 96, 97 today on the mound. Um, Pretty nasty stuff. He did give up quite a few hits and walks, but – Still look good on the mound, but the big thing is he hit three home runs all over 110 miles an hour exit velocity, including a 118, which I think is – that's stupid. I don't know if Aaron Judge hits at 118 off the bat. I think I think 118 is scream backyard baseball, screaming line drive area. like that. Yeah. I think that's the category. That's stratosphere type stuff. Mm-hmm. And this this is what I'm going to build my point on. And and he had a great game. Florida looks great. I think right now Florida is the best team in the country. And I know that might be a hot take to some people because everybody loves LSU. Everybody loves Wake Forest. Rightfully so. Can't argue with that. Obviously, those teams are still super talented. But when it comes to depth and what I've seen with my own eyeballs, Florida has been dominant for pretty much every inning but one. Their one loss was they gave up a seven-run lead in the ninth inning to USF in a midweek, where Florida purposely didn't use their closer. And that tells yeah. me enough. They, they, are, think... they are absolutely mashing baseballs. They throw harder than pretty much anybody else in the country other than maybe Tennessee on the mound. And they play good defense. And you know what? You know what? They lost Wyatt Langford 
I mean, not Wiley Lang for Judd Fabian. Maybe, maybe this is another hot take. Maybe their lineup operates better with him out. Sometimes when you take a star like that out of a lineup, sometimes it just meshes and gels better. I can see. The weather, I'm going to disagree with that because Judd Fabian was an absolute run producer no, last but, year. But, but, but sometimes sometime, sometime it just gelled better. And there's no, there's sometimes you can't explain why. Like, um, maybe, maybe this is a hot take. I'm not, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just <laughs> saying sometimes when you take a player out of a lineup and plug it with somebody else instead of the three hole, maybe he goes into seven and the lineup shifts one up everybody else moved up one maybe it just operates better maybe it's just a more a better lineup you never you like i don't know how to explain it yeah but sometimes when you take a guy out of the lineup and change the lineup around because you have more room to operate maybe it's a it ends up being a better lineup you know what i'm saying like fabian wasn't an average he would didn't he didn't really hit for average oh i think he did he, he had power he had power but he was if i I'm, think if he I, was I'm i think he sure was he a was, huge i think he was a huge ops guy last year for him Maybe not average, but his on base percentage was was crazy. Anyways, I'm gonna uh, what I'm gonna, what, hold on. I'm gonna I'm gonna, gonna, I'm gonna solve this mystery for you real quick with Florida. They're just Florida's lineup has better hitters in it this ben, year than it did last year. Judd Fabian, I knew I knew I was right. Judd Fabian hit 232, 294, 253, 239. What number? Florida. What number? What what did he hit last year? 230 239. No way. He was not an average hitter. Well, maybe your point might be right then. But as far as Florida's lineup as a whole, it's it's way better. Way, way, way better than it was last year. That's what I'm saying. Like for whatever reason, I'm not saying the Judd Fabian is the odd NBL only reason, but sometimes you take out a power. I mean, the guy hit 239 last year, 20 24 home run, but he also struck out. 22% 22% of the time. And then the year before, he struck out 28% of the time. Yikes. So, and he was, that was, he was averaging one, a strikeout between one and two strikeouts per walk. Like, I'm not a huge stats nerd, like numbers kind of guy, but 69 strikeouts last year, 76 the year before. Like, he was not an average. He just had power. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you, you just proved your point. I'm glad you did that because I was, Completely on the other side of the fence there. So maybe maybe Florida's lineup is better without him. Hot take or not hot take? Maybe. Hashtag wait to see. Wait to see. Um, but right now, uh, going back to it, Jack Caglione is my favorite to win the Golden Spikes. And I think, obviously, it's a long season. And it's, to sustain what he's doing right now, it's almost impossible. But... Somebody that's going to be that dominant, he's going to win almost every Sunday, every Sunday start he has, um, just based off the other Sunday starters that he's going to be facing. And, I mean, he'll help himself in the lineup as well. So I, I think he's definitely everybody's favorite for the Golden Spikes right now. And uh, But speaking of Golden Spikes moment, can we talk about Liam McFadden-Ackman of Northern Kentucky? If you guys didn't hear, he had two grand slams in the first inning today. Only something that Caleb Pendleton from FAU did back in 2021 and Fernando Tatis in like 1998 for the the Cardinals or whoever he was playing for. But two grand slams in an inning 
is more rare than a perfect game, way more rare than a perfect game, way more rare than an unassisted triple play. It's, it's a feat that's pretty much luck. You have to get in that opportunity to even have it, and he did it. So he hit two grand slams in the first inning today and then finished the game with the cycle. So on top of that, he had a triple, a double, and a single. One of the most all-around outs, like unbelievable is probably the right word, unbelievable performances in a single game that I, I can ever remember. I mean, he did everything besides they, throw a no-hitter today. <laughs> he got a feature on Sports Center today. He like they did a interview on Sports Center. So pretty freaking awesome. To to put into Good perspective how rare that is, a cycle is pretty rare, and people get excited about a cycle. People also get excited about two grand slams in one inning. To do both in one game, I don't know if it'll ever happen in our lifetime again. I don't think it would. Two grand slams in one inning and then hitting a double. And then you know what else is rare? A triple. A, tri- a triple is kind of rare. I've only hit three triples in my whole college career. So, yeah, they're rare. <laughs> so to get a triple and two home runs in the game is rare. A triple, a double, a single, and a home run is rare. And then add... It was a grand, a cycle of the grand slam is rare. So we're just going up the rare categories. We're like stage six rare. Like, I don't even know what no, you this call is it. the rarest of the rare. I, like I said, I don't think this will ever, ever, ever happen again in our lifetime. <laughs> It'll never happen again. Two grand slams, one inning and a cycle. Like that's like seven, eight tiers up. We're in the stratosphere of rarity. <laughs> so shout out to Liam McFadden Ackman. That's, that's big time, bro. Hope you're listening. Anyways, um, the other like big viral moment was Drew Bianco, or Drew Bianco's catch in center field today for the Houston Cougars. Everybody knows him as Ole Miss head coach's son. And uh, I, first of all, to kind of describe the play, he was playing center field and there's a fence in Corpus Christi at the Corpus Christi Hooks field that's about three and a half feet tall, maybe four feet tall. He dove over the fence and caught the home run. They ruled it an out. Now, I don't know the exact rule here, but I thought you had to have – I thought it was similar to NFL. You have to have possession of the ball in the field of play for it to be an out, and I don't know if he did. I think it might have still been a home run, but it was such an amazing play that the umpires just called it an out. Nobody looked twice at it. I would love for somebody that maybe is a former umpire, maybe a current umpire who's listening, to let me know if it's a – if that could have been called a home run because he didn't have possession in the field of play. I'm interested in that. Interesting. Sorry. I just got distracted watching a video of Virginia tech taking the railing out of the pole, out of the holes in the ground so they can do their celebration inside the dugout with the hammer. Yeah. Someone sent me that video today. I saw it. They are hilarious. That is hilarious. Like that is, they Epic took their control. dugout fence. They pulled it up and they angled yeah. it away. I mean, that's just beating the system there. You're not going to be, hey NCAA, you're not going to you're not going to outsmart the Hokies. They're going to do their. <laughs> I know that was hammer. completely off topic, but that was that that just I just caught my attention. I had to watch that video anyway. Yeah. Um, back to what you were saying about the home run and stuff. Yeah, I was just yeah, just maybe. highlighting Drew Bianco's catch. I mean, it was incredible, and, and I'm surprised he wasn't injured. But the best part of the video is there's a rock wall right behind it. It's a kid's playground. There's a rock wall. There's a kid climbing up the rock wall. He dives over the fence. Everybody goes nuts. 
and the kid just takes a peek down and looks at him and then just continues to climb. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, but like you the five-year-old just didn't care. Those kind of plays, those big freak, like super fast, like sudden play, seems like there's never a, tr- a real injury. You know what I mean? It, the dude's always popping up on the other side of the fence almost every single time. It's rare that, and if they're hurt, they're hurt for a couple seconds, like knocked out, the wind knocked yeah. out, and they'll get up. Like it's always those freak ones where they don't get hurt. I guess it's because their body is like doesn't lock up quick enough. Where, where you know how sometimes you it's like it's like a car it's like a hurt. car crash. It's it's like a car crash. People that you know aren't expecting the car crash usually don't get hurt because their body is just so loose. But when it's you're expecting loose. impact, when you're like expecting impact and you run into that fence or you you know or dive in head first at a ball in the outfield and you just kind of tense up, that's when you might tweak something or, or hurt a muscle or a bone. Can we talk about, since we already talked about Caglio from Florida, talking about freak athlete, you talked about Bianco. Um, let's bring up two players, two, two, two sport athletes that made noise this weekend. Yeah, two one football players. UCF, one from UCF, John Reese Plumlee with the Lane Kiffin recruit at Ole Miss. And then what, what, he went to UCF. That was it, Ole Miss, UCF? Yeah, he started playing quarterback for UCF this year. Yep. Now he's and... patrolling center field for the Knights. Robbing home runs today, making getting base hit, played a big role in their sweep over Clemson. Shout out to him. I mean, two sport athletes are rare enough, but two Especially. sport athletes that make an impact in both sports is impressive. I mean, that's just impressive. That means you are in the top one percent of two different sports. Yeah, and and it's hard to be a Division One quarterback and also play baseball because usually you use the spring to like you know see you're the learning new, guys, new playbook, new play playbook, and... new guys on the team, and uh, I mean when you're that talented and that gifted, it makes sense to play both sports. And then there's another one from the University of Iowa, Brody Breck, with trending on Twitter on Saturday morning. It, we can't make reason. this up. We can't make this up. It was Brody Brecht and Jesus Christ were trending together. Jesus Christ <laughs> is alive, and Brody Brecht were the top two <laughs> trending topics in the United States at about 3 o'clock on Saturday afternoon. This guy is on the top of my list of athletes that we've seen so far this year. A wide receiver at the University of Iowa, which we all know is not – that big of important position in Iowa football. They're a defensive team that puts up they, you need a kicker and a defense and you can go play football at and Iowa. A punter. They love to punt over there. Punter, a kicker and a defense to play football at Iowa. <laughs> but but back to more seriousness. This guy, a wide receiver, he was hurt last year, thumb injury or something. So he was kind of really focused on football and based on watching some interviews, it seems like he's more, he likes football more. He wants to be successful in football more than baseball. But this guy just, not, just, just because he's God given talent was pumping 99 to one one this weekend against, against the number one team in the country. He was not, he was effectively wild. Let's, let's, let's leave it at that. I don't even think he was effectively wild. I think he was just wild. But he was no effectively was wild is is fair. The way he made Tommy White look swinging the bat it was effectively know, wild. He was he was a little more than just effectively wild. Effectively wild didn't usually mean eight walks in three and two thirds innings. Yeah, his first pitch went about forty six feet too. <laughs> you saw that, <laughs> yeah. bro? I was like, oh my god, is this guy nervous or what? 
but um, he went three and two thirds innings. I don't know how many strikeouts he had, but he had bases loaded in the first no out. Ben texted me and said, you see what I was talking about? He proceeded to strike out the next three, escape the jam. Iowa put up three. Next thing you know, it Iowa was up seven nothing, and Brody Breck came out of the game. Um, he ended up leaving the bases loaded. Next guy, two runs scored. Anyway, nasty slider, a God given electric fastball. Like I said, ninety nine. Can I say something about him real quick? Go ahead. I've never seen anybody throw a baseball and like throw. So basically, throw a fastball and throw a slider the way he does. It looks weird, man. I don't know how to describe it. He's maybe it's because he's so fast twitchy. It, it looks weird. He doesn't have picture perfect mechanics, in my opinion. I'm not a pitcher. I just know if I was a hitter standing in there, too many moving parts for me to focus on where the ball is coming out. He kind of you know who he I, reminds I me of. You know who he reminds me of. He reminds me of Henry Rowan Gardner from Rookie of the Year when he throws the baseball. Just throws it as hard as he can. His just arms just moves in weird directions. It looks like, yeah, I don't know, but I mean, and that that's not even the Hawkeye's most polished best pitcher. Their Friday night guy is really good too. I know they lost to Sam Houston Friday, um, but this Iowa team, me and Ben talked about it preseason. We think they're a sleeper in the Big Ten. Yeah, looks like we might be right on this one, Maryland. Rutgers and then Iowa with the sleeper. Well, Ben picked Nebraska, but I don't Nebraska know. Nebraska looked a lot Nebraska. better this weekend. This cornhouse but anyway, bounced back. Point is, don't sleep on the Hawkeyes. They had a really good weekend. I don't know how they didn't win the Carbach trophy run differential or something, but I thought they were the team. I thought they were the true winner of that tournament. Yeah. I mean, they, and they, they they squeaked out a tough win against Kansas State. And uh, yeah, it was a fun tournament to watch. D1 baseball had a good stream. I like the the professionalism of the stream, and it looked good. It, like the graphics look good. The, oh the yeah, picture camera looked that. good. Now the one thing people were pissed about was on Friday when Paul Skeens is pitching, uh, their their site crashed, and or got hacked, whatever you want to say. But nobody was able to watch like the first three innings of that game, and those LSU fans were so mad on Twitter. Oh my God, I would have if I was Kendall Rogers, I would have been sweating bullets. I'm talking. <laughs> In like perfusively just sweating, looking at my phone in a nervous wreck because I was sweating. You had one, job. You had, you had one job to do with to make sure this thing went smoothly because you're already asking people to pay 25 for the weekend. So you're basically saying, Hey, we're gonna we're gonna put out a good product, which they ended up the whole weekend ended up being perfect. It was fine. Yeah, but for those three innings, dude, I would have been so damn nervous. Oh after my God, those first three sick. innings, after those first three innings, I was like, "Oh my God, they're not going to have a broadcast all weekend. They can't do it." <laughs> I was, I was sweating for them. So, oh man, I would hate to oh be in God. that position. Thank God, thank God, they got it under control and they ended up being great. Um, Twenty-five dollars worth. I don't, I don't think, I don't care if it was eight K TV. Twenty-five dollars, twenty-five dollars, it's a lot. But it was a good stream. It was. High quality. They had interviewed. They had um, not sure who the guy was that was kind of in the kind of their personality guy who was walking around interviewing people and stuff like that. But they 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 did a good job. So mm-hmm. now the biggest storyline. Good job. The biggest storyline coming from the Carbach and or Carbach tournament was on Friday the LSU Kansas State game where it ended on the the 
the pitch, I mean, the, the hitter clock, pitch clock, whatever you want to call it, strike it's, three. It's the true word is a hitter's clock violation. A hitter's clock violation ended the game. And this video, shout out to Jeffrey uh, Macias for the video. Jeffrey he, uh, he had, uh, it was over 1.5 million views whenever I looked at it last. I mean, every big account in across sports and a, across even just news outlets like CBS were tweeting it out. People were, were you know, in a, they were in a tiffy about it. And I agree. I think the ninth inning, I, I said my point last episode on this hitter's clock violations, pitcher's clock violations. I don't think it should, like, if it's a close game in the ninth inning or even after the, or after the sixth, so seventh, eighth, and ninth, I don't think it should count. I, I really don't. I think... There's so much to say about the pitch clock thing. Do I like it? Okay, let me let me let me put it this way because I think a lot of people are going to agree with me and be in the same boat as me. When you first heard about pitch clock, you're like, "Hell no, that sounds stupid. I don't want that." I saw a couple videos today that completely changed my mind. It was from the MLB ranks. It was a pitcher. It was a uh, who was pitching? Who was pitching? Pedro Strop, I think, was pitching from the Cubs, and they had a video of Jose Altuve hitting an inside the park home run. Ben, did you not see this? Nope. Oh my God. I got to send this to you. Jose Altuve hit seven inside the park home run before between Pedro Strop first pitch and his second pitch. <laughs> Literally it showed, it just kept looping Altuve. And, oh my God, dude, I got to, I got to send this. To I, you. I would love to see that video. He hit seven inside the park home run. Before Pedro Strop threw his next pitch, and I was just sitting there watching, like, "Holy shit! This, 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 this I've seen this before. This is the problem." Yeah, my and, uh, so my dad and little brother, they're baseball purists at its finest form. Like, they love the game of baseball just like we do, and they went to the uh, the Sugarland tournament with Houston Christian and Stephen F. Austin, Lamar, New Mexico State, and they they came out. They called me last night after they got back from the tournament and they said, you know what? We love the, we love the pitch clock. It keeps the game moving. You don't have pitchers, you know, walking around the mound and using the rosin bag and touching every part of their body and the hitters doing 12 practice AKA, swings. AKA UCLA alumni, James Karinchek. The dude takes four. Karinchek was not a UCLA alumni. Guess again. Where did Karinchek go? He went to Bryant. He was a Bryant Bulldog. You don't even have to look it up. Karen Check was a Bryant Bulldog. He was roommates Why with my good Jack? friend. Uh, he Who was roommates in the minor of? leagues with Kevin Coulter. Okay, if he the yeah, you're right. He is the Bryant Bulldog. Okay, where am I? Who am I thinking of from UCLA? With a K, a pitcher with a K name. I'll get back to you guys on this one. I don't know point. who you're talking about. I have no um, clue. UCLA pitcher with that a K last name. Oh my god! Is it god. a big leaguer, like a major league pitcher? Anyways, I'm gonna I'm just gonna I don't keep know. Anyway, from here. Anyway, back to the point. Back to my yeah. So, point. I, oh, I was gonna finish my point up. Yeah, I go mean, ahead. Finish I, I, so I, I don't mind the pitch clock, but this is my solution here. All right, you ready for it? You buckled in. I think there needs to be one designated umpire but he's not an actual umpire. He's the feel umpire, like F-E-E-L, feel. And he's the feel umpire. Not feel, duh, 
but a feel umpire. And he has to feel out the game. He sits, you know, maybe one of the dugouts or behind home plate or something. And if he feels like it's a big moment, he turns the pitch clock off. You know, let it, let the moment sink in. Bases loaded, two outs, 3-2 count, back-to-back uh, foul balls. He turns off the pitch clock. Like, all right, we have some feel here now. We're, we're feeling out the game. If it's 0-0, if it's 0-0 game in the first inning, that pitch clock is on and it's and it's active. If it's the ninth inning and the two-run game, hey, we're going to let this sulk in a little bit. We're going to get the, the fans engaged. We're going to make sure everybody's focused on this pitch. So he's the guy that feels out the game, and if he thinks it's a big moment, hey, the pitch clock goes off. Let's let's just embrace this right now. So to, to respond to your point before I get back to mine, I love that idea. But who is to say this guy gets to decide when the big moment? You know what I mean? Well, like, hey, what is umpiring? It's all subjective for the most part. I know There's a lot of like, subjective calls. A rule is a rule. How like you, you either enforce it or you don't. If you're going to say gonna first do? eight inning, you enforce it ninth inning. We're going to take it off. Great, but you can't just go batter by batter and say, you know what, the feel of this game right yes, now. Yes, you can. Turn it off. Yes, you can. No, you can't. Hey, if Albert Pujols is hitting, you know, home runs seven hundred and and nineteen. Guess what? He gets a little extra time in the box to to get this moment going. Okay, that's different than just an everyday, oh, ninth inning, tie ball game, man on third, one out. You can't, like, I don't know if you can just bend the rules just by situation. It's a things. subject, in my opinion, it it's a subjective rule with an umpire that feels it out. <laughs> if it's a timer, there's no subjective. If time runs out or doesn't you know what i mean like well I agree baseball with you. I is like a good it. mix baseball needs to be a good mix between analytics and stats and you know the nerds and then guys that are the old you know traditionalists that want to play the game the old way it should I'm be sorry, a blend. i don't know why you want to give more power to the umpire you're it giving should... more power to decide what is the, the decide the feel of a game that's subjective and that's too much power to the umpire nope Give them all. Give them that well, power. Well, you know what? We can agree to disagree. Whatever. I'm going to finish my point about the pitch clock. I was a hater of it. I thought it was the stupidest thing. I hate it. Man, as minute by minute passes, I'm becoming more of a fan of it. Except ending a game on a no pitch. That pitch, the last out of the game, better be a recorded pitch. You cannot end a game on a on a rule. That's NFL game can't even end on a flag committed by the defense. Ooh, that's a good point. Like, if a defense commits pass interference, the offense runs another play, even if the clock runs out. If the offense clock runs on the offense commits holding or something, then the game, the clock can run out, game can be over. But I, but that's what I'm saying. Like, the hitter, technically, yes, is the offense committing the penalty, but baseball's different. Like, you, you can't end the game on a rule call. Like you, a pitch has to be made, a play has to be made. In my I opinion, I agree. I agree. So, so keep keep issuing strikes and balls, but when it comes to two strikes, you can't like you can't end the game on it. Like I just think that's so ridiculous. And what it and the pitcher just gets a free out because the hitter wasn't ready to hit. Make him throw a, a ball down the middle for a strike. Like I think the pitch clock should be umpire should give him that little you know where they say. Where I'm re- the little gun motion ready to go play ball, yeah. Pitcher's the play ready, ball motion. The, the pitcher's ready. He pitches. If the hitter's not ready, sorry about it. But if the pitcher throw the ball, it's a ball. Yeah, you know. So I I, I think that play with 
whatever. But one more thing I wanted to add on that. I hate how videos, controversial videos about how the game is bad are the ones that go the most viral. I hate it. I hate whenever we post something controversial. Those are the most viral clip, most interacted with clip instead of someone making a sick play, someone making a sick pitch, home run, whatever. I want those to be the most viral, not the controversial thing that degrade the game, that make the game baseball look bad. I hate it. It's, it is what it is. That's how social media works. The more controversial it is, the more viral it's going to go. I hate yeah, that, it. But that shows you how true. That shows you how toxic social media is. That's a great example. People love being and, toxic. And, and it's, it's just so unfortunate that we post something about that game ending like that. That those are the most viral clips. I hate it. I mean, we're not here to just put out clickbait and go viral. Like that's not what we're here for. Does it does it help us grow? Sure, but I don't like it because I want to grow based on the content, like the good stuff. I don't want it to grow based on just clickbaity whatever garbage because mm -hmm. i hate when other people do it so i try to hold myself to it am i going to fall trapped to it sometimes yeah but for the most part i am conscious of that kind of stuff I, like i would rather not tweet it anything than tweet something that's misleading so if you if we have we ever do it it's not intentional i hope people understand that i mean we can't we can't say it's never not intentional we we, we do some clickbait stuff we should own up to it we know what's going to get interactions and what's not. Yeah, but I don't really po try to post clickbaity stuff knowing consciously. Like it might come off as clickbaity to others. And if I look back, I'm like, wow, maybe that was clickbaity. But I don't, I try not to ever post something that's just pure clickbait. Yeah. You know what I mean? Okay. Okay. Uh, I'm going to run you through. You don't, you, don't, you don't think so? No, I, I mean, I, I see both sides of it. And I yeah. think it's a good mix. But anyways, I want to do, let's bridge the gap here before we dive into some of the bigger weekend series from last week. There's a few topics that I just want to kind of hit and move on. Um, I want to give a shout out to Bryant's Friday night guy, Coleman Pickard. 12 strikeouts on the road and I think five innings or six innings against Virginia Tech. And everybody knows how well Virginia Tech hits at home. That was a big time performance for Bryant. Good showing out there this weekend for Bryant as well. Uh, Ohio, uh, sorry, I keep saying Ohio State because I have it OSU on my on my notepad here. Oklahoma State, back-to-back no-hitters. No -hitter the team on, that quote-unquote can't pitch. The team, and that's that was my point. The team that in, in the State Farm Showdown couldn't get people out through back-to-back no-hitters this week, Wednesday and Friday. And, yeah, that's, that's a good little achievement, something that they can hang their hat on. Like, hey, guys, we can pitch. We can get people out. Um, hey. Would you say two combined no hitters in a row counts as one one real no hitter? I think I think people We're not hate gonna combined see. no hitter. I think I think no hitter is a no hitter. Ten pitchers or one pitcher, but two in a row. All right, this is a these are real no hitters at this point. You know We're, what I mean? We're not going to see. I don't know if we'll see a, a true no hitter. Maybe one or two this year in in college baseball, but a nine inning no hitter from one pitcher. It's just hard to do with the pitch counts and stuff. I, I don't know, man. Once we hit, once we get into mid March, end of March, pitchers are full, full go, full go, 100, 90 to 110 pitches. People yeah. freak out about hundred pitch. I think 110 pitches is no problem. Your last two batters of the game, last batter of the game starts with 98 pitches, ends up being, you know, eight, 10 pitch at bat. He finishes with 108. 
no problem. These guys are these. Most of these teams are training well enough to throw 110, 110 pitches is nothing. Isn't it something? Isn't the study now for pitch count stressful or like high leverage pitches versus non-stressful low leverage pitches? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you're if you've got a guy throwing twenty pitches an inning with man on second or third runner going position every inning, once he has that, if he's getting to a hundred, that is a that is a brutal day. But if he's cruising, you know, man on first every other inning, three up, three down, he can throw 110 pitches and feel like nothing the next. Is day. that is that a real thing? Because you, I mean, you've pitched oh, at high levels. A real thing. Man on third, less than two out or two out, you are putting exerting way more effort in snapping that breaking ball placing that fastball in the right spot, throwing it as hard as you can, whatever the case may be, it is 100% true. Okay. I mean, that's good That's good perspective there for the listeners Man, nobody, out there. Hey, nobody on first batter of the inning, you're just, you're just, you're just slinging it in there. You're just loosey-goosey slinging it in there. Man on third, you might be loosey-goosey, but you're exerting more focus and a little more effort to make the perfect pitch. Yeah. Okay. Um, two more points I want to hit on here just briefly. Lance Berkman got ejected, my idol. Hilarious. My little, yeah, my little brother sent me that video. It got like 250 views. Or sorry, 250,000 views. People were loving Big Puma out there showing his love. And, and the, what the play was that he was so angry about was they reversed. So it was, it was a double play ball. Guy from Houston Christian slides in, pops. It was a pop-up slide. You know, bumps into the second baseman as he's making the uh, relay throw to first to turn two. And they originally called the runner safe at first and no interference. And then Seton Hall's coach walked out there and told the umpires, hey, he made contact with my guy. And the moment that the umpires met and then switched the call with no review, it was just word of mouth. Berkman apparently lost it, sprinted out on the field. And my little brother sent me a video that was about two minutes long, but he said it was two minutes prior to that that Lance Birkin was arguing as well. And you got the great hat toss at the end. Just a lot of built-up frustration for Berkman. And his program's struggling right now. Houston Christian's not a good baseball do you team. Think, do you think it's more the program and less about him, his capability? I don't know. I mean, I don't want to blame his capability. I think this is only a second year there. So he still doesn't do have his guys. Do feeling of how good he can be a Houston Christian? Yeah, I mean, I think his ceiling would be something like a Sam Houston or a um, even like I would say a Sam Houston or or not early two thousands Rice, but like a twenty tens Rice where you win in conference. I mean, they sh- they should their ceiling is a conference championship. They have enough talent in the city of Houston, uh, both in high school and junior college transfer portals as well. They can get okay. to to a spot. Well, my question is. Is, is it even possible? Because I mean, when you when I like I I've never even heard of Houston Baptist until probably two years ago. I, I, maybe two years ago, the first time I heard of Houston Baptist, and to me, it seems like it's a no win situation for Berkman there. Like, do I think he knows the game? Of course, I think he knows the game probably better. Not probably, he knows the game better than I do from his point of view, his experience or whatever. So, like, he, there's only so much. I feel like there's only so much he can do at Houston Christian. Like, you can't tell me Houston Christian is Sam Houston State or no, it's not. Same. Listen, no, I I wasn't saying that. I was saying here, maybe five years from now, Berkman could get it to 
a Sam Houston level oh, as far to as become as, a Sam Houston. Yeah, they're never going to be a Baylor mm-hmm. or a Texas A&M or even like a Rice or University of Houston. I mean, the facilities they have are trash. It's basically high school facilities. Um, they're getting better every year, of course. The one thing I think Berkman brings to that program is one – He's got a lot of rich friends that probably would like to donate to his program. And two, he's he's able to bring kids in from the transfer portal or junior college or just in the city of Houston that watched him play and want to play for him. It would be the same thing if like Chipper Jones was the head coach at um, they just want to play for Chipper. At, yeah, it'd be like if Chipper Jones was the head coach at Georgia State or Kennesaw State. Uh, see, but that's where I'm that's that's kind of like my point him being a Houston Christian is like him being at Georgia Gwinnett or West Georgia or even a small Florida, like Florida A&M. If he went to Lance Berkman with a Florida A&M, it wouldn't matter. There's a ceiling of how good he can be. Like nobody wants to go play a Florida A&M. I don't think many Houston kids would even consider Houston Christian. I could be totally off base here, but I feel like he needs to prove that he can recruit prove that he can coach at the college level and, and get the next job as soon yeah. as he can. And then go, go somewhere where he can like show, Hey, I'm elite. I'm, 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 I'm above average rather than just sitting. And he, I, I don't know, man. He, I think he needs to make a move before it's too late. Right. I mean, that's fair. I don't know though. I mean, he's so new at coaching the division one level. It's hard to put into perspective what he can do in the future. You see what I'm saying? Like, because is it, is it, is it a Lance Bergman thing or is it a limitation of Houston Christian? You know we, what I mean? We that's, don't, that's, yeah, that's, we don't know. That's, that's point. If we he should. goes somewhere that, then he has a little more upside and been um, disconnected again. Um, but maybe if he goes somewhere with a little more upside, he um, can prove, answer the question if he can do it or not, you know, but you know, we'll just wait for Ben to, Reconnect. Hey, my anyway, computer, my computer heard you talking about to start talking bad about Berkman, and it just lost its Wi-Fi. <laughs> yeah, no, I was not talking bad about Berkman. I'm just, I was just saying, I finished my point when you disconnect. I was just saying, maybe if he goes somewhere with ceiling, he can prove, hey, I belong here, or just answer the question in general. If you know what I mean, I, don't, I just think Houston Christians got too big of a limitation on what he can r- truly bring to a program. If he was at Rice, if he was at Rice, I promise you he would get guys that a want to play for a good program, play for the name Rice, and play for Berkman. He's getting way better players. Yeah, and, and shout out to Rice; they look a lot better this year. They hung think, in there with with Stanford. They, Stanford. they got a win against um, Louisiana. Uh, sorry, yeah, University of Louisiana. And you know, Jose Cruz yeah. Jr. has got a, a good little bunch there. They're, they're solid team. They're on the fast track to getting back to maybe uh, competing for Conference USA Championships again. Not this year, of course, but a few years down the road. Um, hey, speaking of Houston teams that are bad, not Houston teams, sorry, Texas teams that are bad, Baylor's the worst Power 5 team in the country, and it's embarrassing. The once great Baylor Bear, Baylor Bear baseball team is in an absolute dumpster right now. They They've given up more than 10 runs. I think every game except for one when they played Houston Christian. They gave up three 20-run games already this year. Three of their first five games, they gave up a 20-piece. And it's hard to score 20 runs 
in a game. It's hard. I don't know how many times we did it at Mercer. We played in a freaking Cracker Jack ballpark with the wind blowing out. When we'd been, I think my fresh, my sophomore year, we gave up in 56th game, we gave up 10 or more runs. I think it was one or two times. We Maybe almost, it, we almost won a whole season without giving up double digit runs. And it's no excuse, rebuilding or not, tw- giving up three twenty-one twenty run game. There's a, somebody needs to be fired. And, and I just know it's their of, first out of pure. Just, just, just fire them. Yeah, and then they hired the coach from junior college, from McClendon Junior College, who has a good resume. But what are you, what are your pitchers doing in the off season? What are your pitchers doing in the pre spring? How do you not get twenty seven outs before you give up twenty runs? You've seen guys go up there and lob the ball in there and get three out before giving up. Let's just say they give up two runs every inning. That's 18. Yeah, I know. And odds are in the pitcher's favor. Every time the hitter makes contact with the ball, it's in your favor that that ball results in an out. Mm-hmm. So what are what are we doing? Like, what are we doing? Like, I don't, I'm not saying Baylor's head coach needs to get fired. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying. This is first year, so. No, that's what, I'm, that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying he needs to be fired, but this offseason, he needs to look at his pitching coach and say, hey, do you know what the hell you're doing? Because if not, <laughs> I got to fire you. I got I to make some sort of move to show the administration of the school, to show the public that I care about winning and I'm trying to figure out the right option. Same thing with football. Shitty offensive coordinator, you fire and move on to the next one. You don't wait around. Like, yeah. this is a cutthroat business. Yeah, people. I mean, it's people's jobs. If if you don't fire somebody, then you might be the one getting fired. Anyways, yeah. um, so here one more thing. Uh, UC Santa Barbara sweeps sweeps Oregon. I thought that was a big storyline that kind of went under the radar. That's a big win. Oregon was ranked in a lot of the polls out there. You know, all twelve of the college baseball polls, which is so funny to me. But yeah, I mean, Santa Barbara's back on track from what we've seen them do in years past good sweep it's hard to sweep at oregon they play well at home usually and that's a that's a good series good series sweep same shit there's new year same shit for the gaucho you know what you know what it might come down to and it kind of reminded me of this series both of those teams could potentially be on the bubble with the the regionals coming up if santa barbara doesn't win their conference um and oregon doesn't win the conference tournament, you know, let's say they finished fourth, 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 Pac-12 fourth or fifth Pac-12. Like that's, that series sweep could boost the Gauchos over the Ducks in the regionals. Like just keep a note on that for the end of the year. That, that, yeah, that's yeah. going to go a long way. And I, I, I really do think the big West is taking a step forward this year based on the first. Finally, Ir- I know. Irvine looks good. Long Beach looks more competitive. Fullerton, I'm 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 worried about Fullerton. I was super I was super high on them preseason, super high on them after Stanford series, and now I'm sitting there like, oh shit, they just lost two to Michigan today. Michigan Big Ten team, good program, whatever. Yeah, but oh, one I more think thing. The Big Ten takes a step. A big, oh, a Big West. Irvine looks good. Long Beach looks more competitive. Fullerton is an older team, so they're going to win game. They're going to be competitive. In Santa Barbara, I think we get two pack uh, two Big West teams in the postseason this year. I hope so. We need to go back to those ways. College baseball is just better when when we get some West Coast representation out there instead of just your Oregon State and your Stanford and yeah. UCLA. 
get some get some of the smaller school West Coast flavor in there. We need it. We need the flavor in there. Uh, one more thing, I forgot about this. Tony Vitello suspended this weekend for the Maui Ahuna violations. I don't know. I've I've read multiple different articles. I haven't dug too deep into it, but you, allegedly, you want to know what I think about this thing? Yeah. Well, well, go ahead and say what do you do. You have what you were going to say. Like, I've seen I've seen really three different stories, and again, I'm sorry to anybody that actually knows what happened. I don't. I didn't dive too deep into it, but either one. Kansas didn't release him and Tennessee was violating by talking to him and recruiting him before his release um, Two, somebody messed up paperwork at Tennessee. I've heard that story as well. Um, and, you know, they're getting punished for that now. And three, which I think is probably the most likely is an NIL deal was done before he was on campus at Tennessee, but it's, a, it was ridiculous that he, you know, had to sit out that first weekend don't punish the player, punish the coach, punish the team, whatever. And Vitello, I guess, probably, Tony Vitello probably went up to the administration and said, hey, suspend me this weekend against Dayton. Let's get this over with. Let's get this out of the news. We're going to sweep Dayton. We're going to kill him. And I'll just sit out. I assume that's probably I, what happened. So I thought I thought it was confirmed that Ma they booked Maui Ahuna's flight before the transcript was officially transferred from Kansas to Tennessee, they booked his flight and he was on his way to Knoxville for his official visit or for enrolling in the classes. And they paid for that flight before he was a member. Oh, that of, makes sense. So I think, I don't know if that's just a bogus story too, but I'm pretty sure that's what it was confirmed. But reading Tennessee's statement on Tony, on Vitello's suspension, it was a, hey, we punished him. Like they're Leave trying to basically, I think it was one of those things where they were trying to just end the situation before more information comes out. They're trying to basically just say, Hey, we're going to, we're going to squeeze this situation before anything else gets out. And we're just going to go ahead and just try to take the first step and get out in front of it before anything else happens. I think that's what they're doing because they made it sound like Vitello was suspended just because the the school decided it wasn't an NCAA involved decision, which makes me think they did something wrong, <laughs> and they're trying to play the, oh, we'll be good about it. We'll be good about it now. Like you know when you're a kid and you get in trouble and you're like, okay, I'll be a good kid now. I'll be quiet. I'll be quiet. But can you give me my games back? Let me play my games. I'll be super quiet. That yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> I think that's what kind of, I think that's what the situation feels like. They did something. Maybe that's an infraction by 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 law by rule of the NCAA, and they try to you know get out in front of it and just say, hey, we're gonna self self discipline, whatever you want to call it. I think that's, yeah. that's what the vibe I got from that was. No, I agree. And usually for NCAA teams, like if they do self imposed suspensions and stuff, usually the NCAA will see their way out of it and just say, all right, fine, we got that cleared up. Don't do it again or else we'll actually investigate. So maybe that's what it was. But it was definitely noteworthy that Vitello had to sit out all three games, and Tennessee went 3-0 and this weekend. They pitched the lights out. So um, we got all that cleared up. I just want Maui Ohuna to get to play. I mean, he's one of the best players in the country. He's an All-American. I hate seeing him get punished for you know mistakes made by 40-year-old men. It sucks. Um, but at the same time, at the same time, he Ahuna's not a hundred percent innocent. He decided to transfer. 
he is a grown man. He can make sure, hey, Kansas are my transcript. He, you can take some accountability in some of these things. It's your life. It's your career. You're transferring. Like I'm not saying it's 100% on him, but you can take a little bit of accountability. And he might have. We don't know. We haven't seen him I'm speak not, That's what I'm saying. I'm not I'm assuming everything, but sometimes these situations, not, you can't just say, hey, let the kid play. Sometimes maybe he wasn't wasn't accountable enough or responsible enough. Who knows? Who knows? I don't like talking about these situations because we could be 100% wrong on these things. Right. All right. Well, cool. So now that we got all these little um, small storylines knocked out, let's talk about some of the action this weekend and, and some of the big series. And I think the best place to start, just because nobody really saw this coming, but UCF sweeping Clemson on the road really making that statement and then eric package yeah well you did <laughs> i saw this thing coming yeah you predicted it almost perfectly on our last episode but the one the one thing i want to talk about before we we talk about other things that happen in the series what's up with eric package coming out in his press conference after the games are over after getting swept on his home field and saying like basically ucf was mouthy all weekend and it sucks to lose to those guys because of how mouthy they were on the field and, and their celebrations. It's it like, was dude. so unnecessary asking. Like, you, it's 2023. We've seen bad press conferences. We've seen unnecessary drama. And for him to say, oh, it hurts, it hurts. And especially when the other team was mouthy and their celebrations on their home turf. Like, dude, you could have just said, it hurts to get swept on your home turf and moved along. That was, yeah. that was very easy to say. And nobody would have cared. But then to call out UCF and say they were mouthy, well, you know what? They deserve it. They've swept your ass. They kicked your ass all weekend long mm-hmm. on your own turf and went 3-0. and Like, sorry, dude. They can and mouth say, off as much as they want. And the timing is terrible because they have their biggest series of the year coming up this next weekend against UCF. Uh, quite mouthy, South Carolina mouthy team this weekend. Yeah, and, and, and South Carolina can get mouthy as well. They're, they're a very confident group. And – after, I know South Carolina's players and coaches heard Backich's interview, and they're probably coming with some real, like real ammo now for this next weekend. They're gonna be they're gonna be prepared to know that hey, we're gonna be yeah. mouthy too. Hey, I know Backich with that Clemson before Michigan back early in his career. He knows I, I'm he knows what this rivalry is. He knows what baseball is like when it's Clemson South Carolina. He knows it, so I don't know why that was a calculate. That was a very miscalculated mistake. Yeah, most coaches and most guys they they make calculated decisions. When they say something, they know what they're doing with that statement. I don't think he, I think he miscalculated because it was the wrong time and the wrong thing to say with South Carolina this weekend. Because mm-hmm. you're on your heels now. You've got a program. You're trying to build. Um, you're trying to build. Uh, oh my God. Um. What's, oh my! Why do I forget words when we're on this podcast? I always forget where, um, where you're where you're generating, moving, you're you're building momentum. He's trying to build momentum with the program. <laughs> Say, hey, I moved the right hire, stuff like that. Of course, it takes time. It takes time to build a program the way you want it. Your recruits and stuff like that. But you, but at the same time, your job is to win game at the moment and build momentum, build confidence. And now he's in a hole. Like, hey. You better get one win this weekend against South Carolina. You better get a win this weekend. You better get a win. You, if you get swept back to back weekends, 
I mean, obviously he's not going to be on the hot seat because no, no it's his first year seat, there. But, but people in Clemson's going to—I mean, the fans at Clemson are going to start raising some eyebrows. Like, yo, I thought you were supposed to be the savior to this program. Like, win some damn ball games. But I mean, I you know, I could I know we're going to preview this series on Thursday show. I can see a big bounce back spot for for Clemson. I I think Clemson wins the series. I'm just going to say now, my mind will change maybe, but I could totally see Clemson coming back and getting two this weekend. But I think this past series says more about UCF and how advanced they are and how veteran led they are more than I mean, obviously it says some stuff about Clemson being unreliable on the mound, but you know. UCF can hit. UCF can hit. They cause chaos on the bases. And they put Clemson in a lot of bad positions defensively as well. And, yeah, I think UCF won this weekend. They were one of the three teams that I have as my three winners. UCF was was the number one team. 100%. Um, um, hey, let's do this one now uh, just real quick. Portland upsets Texas A&M two out of three. Jim Schlossnagel gets tossed and gets his money worth. Uh, Ron Polk style, as I said on Twitter. I don't know what's up with AM, but those guys can't hit. I don't know what's going on there. Portland wasn't throwing all Americans at them. They were Portland's pitching staff is not Tennessee's. It's not Vanderbilt's. It's not Florida or, or LSU. I mean, these guys are good. It's a good mid-major team, but for almost 27 innings, I don't know if they had very many. I don't know if they had a single home run or if they had a double like a hard hit double i know they had a few doubles and stuff but it was every time i would walk them off today yeah but until the ninth inning today things started coming together because portland's guy just you know was running into barrels but i was not impressed with texas a&m they were they were not the fourth best team in the nation like they were ranked in fact i think they're a bottom of the barrel sec team before the season you kind of had like a shot when i said when I said I said something, 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 and I didn't mention Texas A&M, and you kind of came at me like shocked, like whoa, whoa, Texas A&M is going to be really good this year. What was your? I don't remember what was your reasoning because they returned a lot because the portal. What was it? Um, I liked Jim Schlossnagel as the coach, and they went to Omaha last year, so I figured that they would kind of stay on track there. But remember, they did lose two out of three to Penn to open this open. I mean, yeah, open last season. And they turned it around. They figured it out. I mean, I could be overreacting, but I did not see anything impressive with Texas A&M this week. And it was actually the whole week. They couldn't hit in the midweek either against Lamar. I I, I don't want to overreact here because I hate I hate overreacting when I don't have a lot of confidence in the reaction. But I think I think Texas A&M, when it comes time to play, they'll be fine. I think this is more. I think this isn't something where you're like. A&M sucks. I think they're still going to finish top three. I think they'll finish fourth or fifth, maybe fourth in the SEC West. Arkansas, LSU, and <laughs> fourth in the SEC West. Isn't there only six teams? No, there's seven. There's seven. There's seven. And if yeah. the fifth place team, I think, is the regional team most of the time. Right. That's fair. I think, I think A&M will end up being a regional team. I, I, I think so. But, hey, like, Shout out to Portland. Big weekend. Good for you guys. Um, no excuse for AM to lose that series and lose to Lamar in the midweek. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, another disappointing team everybody had high hopes on. One of the biggest losers of the weekend was Southern Miss. And I know they won a game. They won Saturday's game. 
they were a pitch away from being swept against Illinois. And Southern Miss, a team that usually plays so well at home, and they swept Liberty to open the year. And they looked like they were on pace to have a better season than last year where they went to a super regional and hosted the eventual national champion Ole Miss Rebels. But that's another team that, I mean, they, they can hit. I guess one through nine, they can hit pretty good, but they don't have big boppers. Like they don't have guys one through nine that can take you deep. A bunch of pretty good on base guys, I would say, and would drive in runs. But the pitching staff was abysmal this weekend. And credit to Illinois' hitting, they were taking advantage of some bad pitches. I don't know who you can trust out of the bullpen for Southern Miss right now. I don't. Like they were giving I mean, up they Dickerson and and he got he gave up a three run tank to blow a two run lead in yeah. the ninth. I didn't even know he pitched. I honestly had no I, did, I had no idea he pitched. I, I I I I was like, oh maybe he pitches every now and then. I'm like, well wait a minute. If he pitches out every now and then, why is he pitching in this situation? I, I think he started pitching more last year in like the conference tournament or maybe even in the regionals. It was late in the year. I think he got a couple innings of work. If I'm Southern Miss, I I, I got to scratch my head and be like, yo, are we going to be a top two or three team in our own conference right now? Their schedule doesn't get much easier going forward. That's what I'm saying. And Illinois is a good team. Don't get me wrong, but they're not they're not a Georgia. They're Southern. not they're not a powerhouse big team. They're not that good of a team. Yeah. And I, I thought, I mean, they were Southern Miss had to make a huge comeback on Saturday and like hang in there. With with Illinois just to squeak out one win, and the other two games were ugly. <laughs> hopefully we can chalk. Hopefully we can chalk this up. It's just a bad weekend at the P. Yeah, I mean, and, and that wouldn't surprise me at all. If this was just a bad weekend, so what? They still win forty five games this year. You know, but, it, we but, overreacted. But opening weekend, it wasn't like they were the most scary, intimidating offense either. Well, their pitching staff was. Pitching staff was nails opening weekend. But Offense, they, they could, didn't hit that much. And same yeah. thing with this weekend, they didn't hit a whole lot. So we will see. With we will see how because they're pitching. They're pitching is that's a 35-40 win pitching staff. Easy minimum, easy. But you can't pitch perfect every day. Yeah. Um, speaking of pitching, let's move into the the big pitching series of the weekend, and that was UCLA at Vanderbilt. Two very Phenomenal. white. Very white collar teams. I mean, Vanderbilt is the UCLA of the East Coast, and or I guess you can call it Tennessee East Coast, whatever, of the eastern side of the United States. And UCLA is the Vanderbilt of the West side. I mean, they are interchangeable. Smart, look, rich, expensive schools, high always, class. Always students. have you know big recruits, but they also develop a lot of guys as well, and just always known for just pitching. You know, being elite at pitching. I mean, so many MLB All Stars have coming out of those two, uh, two programs on the pitching side, and it was it was a fun series to watch. I actually enjoyed. Both teams would get on the mound. The pitch clock was never even like a question. Get on the mound, Justin Verlander style, and just throw the next pitch. Boom, hit your spot, hit your spot. And uh, Vanderbilt, Very, ended up- you know what? It was. I don't think you can get much more even than what we saw this weekend with Vandy. Like they were super even and well balanced. Both teams were like super even. Yeah. And they're, they're definitely teams that they don't have the talent that LSU and Tennessee and 
uh, Florida, Wake Forest. I don't think they have the talent as far as star power goes, but you don't want to play an LSU or a Vanderbilt in a super regional (laughs) or even in the college world series where the, if one of those two teams make it to the college world series, they're not going to give up a ton of runs because the field is huge. They get a lot of ground balls. There were so many ground balls in that series that, that snuck through the infield just because of the turf. If they were playing on grass. I think most of those would have held up in the infield. And I don't know. I, Vanderbilt won two out of three. I, I think they were the better team, but UCLA is not far behind. It, it, they were probably even. If this was at UCLA, they UCLA I think without UCLA, two. UCLA went too, no doubt. Yeah, which was good. Um, it was a nice fast series. Really, another really good series this weekend that I wanted to talk about. We both were really high on this team. We're really, and we're still very high. And I think this weekend just confirmed our thought. The Link Jarrett led Florida State Seminoles are a top 10 team in the country. Not even a question. No, no doubt. Not about a it. question. And the disrespect they were getting in the preseason, no preseason hype. People were doubting them. People were picking them to finish seventh, sixth, seventh in the ACC, even as low as like eighth and ninth. And you and I were, were pretty high on them. We said, hey, let's look at their weaknesses from last year, pitching and defense. Um, I mean, they have an all-American starting rotation. They have probably the best reliever in Wyatt Crowell out of the bullpen. And you know, the offense puts up enough runs to, to win them. That to- offense is a very good offense. Yeah, it's very deep. And if I hear that phone go off one more time, Dimitri, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to suspend you, Tony Vitello style. <laughs> but hey, they dominated TCU this weekend. The games were pretty close, pretty tight, but it was pretty much controlled by Florida State. Today, outside of a late, a little like later in the game meltdown with a couple errors here and there, Florida State could have easily swept the series. Yeah. And this was the TCU team that people were almighty, almighty and high on after the Globe Life Classic. I was one of them. I was a big buyer in TCU, but I've always been a big buyer in Florida State. And I just thought TCU's offense would be able to score enough runs to beat Florida State this weekend, two out of three, and I was wrong. I mean, the hitters looked lost. Those TCU hitters were not comfortable in the box. They were not picking up pitches out of the hand. And, uh, yeah, Florida State was a big winner for myself as far as teams that – that proved a lot of people wrong. And I think right now you look at Florida state as them and wake forest, the top two teams in the ACC. And I, I think Don't they match up Miami. Hey, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm the biggest believer in Miami. Now I'm, I'm, I'm way tougher and more cynical in Miami because naturally that's my team. That's the team I grew up. I, when you, when you have emotion involved, things change then from a non-biased, perspective but Miami is the top four team in the ACC I think it's just I it's hard for me to say because I've seen what happened every time I get high on them so um the AC I think Florida State and Wake Forest should be your front runners for the ACC I think North Carolina even some people pick them to win the ACC I don't think so I don't I don't think they have the star power in the lineup to do it their line is supposed to be their strength, too. So we'll see. But anyway, just on this weekend alone, Florida State was a winner in my book. Florida State was – I tweeted out my Omaha 8 as of right now in the season. Two weeks in, 
if there was a regional tournament, super regional to the College World Series, which eight teams would get in, throw in all preseason hype out of the way, not thinking about preseason rankings or preseason write-ups. All of that is thrown out the window, just on the, on the field on. Before, playing. Before you, before you say this, let's finish one more series and then you drop your little eight right now moment. Maryland Ole Miss. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was... Sunday the Swayze are it's a it's fireworks show. It's July fourth on Sunday the Swayze between there's so many teams. runs on Sundays in, in Swayze. So many home runs and just runs being scored. I, I will say this every Ole Miss, Sunday of Swayze. Ole Miss won two out of three. And I, I think they proved a lot of people wrong that everybody's saying that they're not as good as last year's team. The offense is down, the pitching's down now that you lose Hunter Elliott, blah blah blah. Like LSU. They won a hard-fought series and, and, for the most part, outplayed Maryland. But I will say Maryland showed me a lot, too. They can put up runs. Like, they're one swing away, usually, from, from getting back into the game. Like, today they had a chance, bases loaded, they, down by They three. were one swing away from taking the lead. Yeah, and they've already hit four grand slams this year. Maybe five grand slams this year. Five. And, and yeah, so Maryland showed me a lot, but it's going to be – Ole Miss is going to be one of those teams that they can and will outslug people. Like, there's no pitcher that's going to overmatch them. They have a very deep lineup and very confident lineup in that. I am one of those people that this weekend showed me, okay, Ole Miss is still good. Like they're they're still a good team. Like I was kind of doubtful on them. They're going to still swing. They can still hit. They added enough people. Ethan Groff out of the portal. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a couple of rec- freshman JUCO guys that are really good. Um, they're a good team. They're a, a mature lineup. Um, they that national championship gave them all the confidence in the world that they can beat anybody at any time. Um, so when you have that confidence and you have that experience in your back pocket, it's hard. It's hard. It's 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 not easy to um, beat them. So I need somebody to remind me. A listener, or it can be yourself, Dimitri, somebody. Remind me in early April when Ole Miss is struggling bad. Remind me of what, what we saw this weekend and, and the weekend prior. Because they're gonna they're gonna get cold at some point in the year. And when I say cold, I mean they're gonna they're gonna lose some games by 10 plus runs back to back and look lost at the plate. It's going to happen. But I need to remember what I saw this weekend that. Maryland obviously could be an Omaha team, more than likely going to be a, a one or a two seed in a regional. And Ole Miss was the better team. So remind me of that whenever I get down on LSU here in a few okay. weeks. Hey, Maryland was rolling out guy after guy after guy, 92 plus, 91, 94, 95. They were one after another. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, man, Maryland's got the pitching to, to, to go deep in the postseason this year. Yeah. And Ole Miss was pounding them, was pounding them. I mean, don't get me wrong. I have not seen more bases loaded walk this the past two weekends. I've seen in a long time. <laughs> I Ben, guys are not competing with bases loaded. They fall behind the count 1020. It's over. They give up. It's ball four and they're walking and run. And I've never seen it happen this much. It happened a I lot. Mean, Arizona State, it. Mississippi Miss State. Maryland did it all weekend. They were walking. Mississippi guys. State did it all weekend. Or not all weekend, but the the first game they did Friday and then in the midweek, but a lot of teams are walking guys. I mean, TCU or Florida state, somebody like a hit by pitch and a walk with bases loaded. I mean, I was just like, come on guys, compete a little bit, like show the, show your, show your ass a little bit. Yeah. Um, 
but I think Maryland going on the road to South Florida, playing West Virginia in the midweek, then going to Ole Miss, tough start to the season. Do not doubt the, the Terps. They're playing a tough schedule. Let them get the Big Ten play. They're going to start steamrolling. What did you think of what did you think of the the TJ McCants home run today? Where he hits a three run fat three I love, one I love, fastball. I love people talking shit and chirping and burping and whatever. I like all that stuff. Yeah, so he hits the three one fastball a freaking mile. And uh Schle- what's his name? Schliger? Schliger? Um Schliger. Schliger. Catcher for Maryland, who's an all American. He uh, you know, saw TJ McCants admire the home run takes his mask off, starts yelling at him to run the bases. And my favorite part of this was the next inning, he comes up and hits a bomb. Maryland's social media guy goes, uh, <laughs> you know, over TJ McCants. Hits the, the home run guy. over right fielder TJ McCants and silences the crowd or something. I said, <laughs> this league, man, you got to love it. Got to love and the pettiness. It's hilarious. Whether they win or lose the game, hey, tip your cap to the social media guy. He's having fun. He's into mm-hmm. the game. Showed his ass a little bit. Showed a little bit of competitive spirit and energy. Whatever. I love it. Awesome. Yeah, it was it was good. And let's move on. to Before I release my Omaha 8 right now, I mean, we, we totally skipped over East Carolina and UNC. It was only a two-game series because Saturday got rained out. It got moved to like a midweek sometime. And hey, guess what? Cliff Godwin Pirates don't need three to win a series. They need two. Yeah, that was a big topic of conversation in our Patreon group chats and Discord. Hey, it's only a two-game series. It's on our weekend series pick them. Uh, what, what happens if they split? And we were just like, ah, I guess it'll be a draw and it won't count for anything unless one of the teams wins two, like the first two games or the only two games. And both both games neck and neck. I think they both finished six to five final score on Friday. East Carolina scores five runs in the eighth inning to, to take the lead and just totally stuns UNC. I mean, UNC was in control all game and uh, that dude, the pirate, the pirate crowd was uh, immaculate. It was 6,000 people there. The jungle was packed. Uh, I really enjoyed watching that game. By the way, they, they do their, their field is an absolute joke. It is so small. It is a tiny, tiny field. It is a what is it like three fifty to the gaps, and the fence is four feet know, tall. First inning on Friday night, first three inning, guy robbed the home run in right field. I'm like, holy shit, that ball went that far! Like the guy barely hit it. It was like eighty nine exit velocity, and it was <laughs> getting robbed. And I texted Dimitri on Friday night. I said, listen, my senior year when we played at East Carolina, I looked like freaking Barry Bonds in in, in batting practice. I think I got 15 swings and 14 of them went over the fence. It was, I mean, it is a hitter's ballpark. And the fact that the game was only six to five shows you that both pitching staffs have good arms. Uh, I was pleasantly surprised with, you know, Carter Spivey, one of the best closers in the nation. Uh, and, it, and East Carolina does a good job pitching at home because they induce a lot of weak contact. And, yeah. you know, whether it's on the ground or in the air, um, yeah, but I mean, East Carolina wins the weekend 2 0. They've won five straight now against in state rival Tor- the Tar Heels. And I mean, it solidifies them as, in my opinion, the best team in the state. And that state of North Carolina is, is loaded. <laughs> NC State's no joke. Um, even, uh, uh, well, I guess Wake Forest, never mind. Wake Forest might be the best team in the state. <laughs> I just looked at my 
looked at my paper. Yeah, Wake Forest is probably maybe potentially the best team in the state, but East Carolina, not far behind. Uh, I don't know. I think East Carolina is a good baseball team. I think Wake Forest is an elite baseball team in terms of talent. I think East Carolina is just a good baseball team, well-coached team. I think Wake Forest is one of the is more on the all-star. Category. They both like, play in tiny like, fields. They both play in tiny fields. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's where you're going with it. Yes, they both play in Boomer Cracker Jack Park, where yeah. like it, it's just. I don't know. You can't. You can't. You, you can take it with a grain of salt when they play a bad team at home. But hey, East Carolina, two comeback wins to beat North Carolina, who's supposed to be a really good team this year. So yeah, and East I, th- I still think, I still think North regional. Carolina. I think North Carolina is a good team. I think they're going to give the ACC hell this year. I saw a lot of promising things from them. And they just couldn't. Do you think East Carolina? Is, do you think East Carolina is the modern day Fullerton or Rice? Yeah, that's good. Well, no, because Fullerton and Rice were going to Omaha. East Carolina's never made it. So they're not. So you think full, what Fullerton and Rice? It's got to put people, guys or girls, ladies, whoever. It's got to put in perspective how good those te- those programs were. They you know were what? Going to Omaha as a non-power five mid-major. I know you guys hate the word. I don't know why. It's not that big of a deal. But East Car- East Carolina in modern day, like everybody, like this team is so good year in and year out. They're, they're still not doing what the Fullerton's and the Rice did and the Irvine's and the Long Beach. But remember what I said the first podcast of the year, and I, I did predict East Carolina as my national champion this year. If you let them in the College World Series, they will win the College World Series. Same they thing with Coastal Carolina-style yeah. team. They're just going to win. They're just going to win. They're not going to have a more talented team than you, but they're going to beat you. Yeah, if you let them in the tournament, they will win the tournament. I mean, if you let them in the College World Series, they, you're not beating them twice. Like they're going to have a million people there. Come, like every Pirates fan in the country will be there, and it'll be fun. And I, I really do. I'm going to stick with it. I think East Carolina could and and should not should could win a national championship if they get there. We'll see. Um, but yeah, they were one of my three big winners of the weekend, East Carolina, UCF and FSU. Uh, those are my three winners. And then Southern Miss, A&M and Baylor, my three losers of the weekend. And they're probably, there's probably more that we're leaving out, but that's just like the, the icing well, three best three losers. Hey, yeah. one other thing I want to ask you people, it's a, it's a bigger topic than I realize. When I say USC, what do you think of? The Trojans don't don't get us started. <laughs> when I say USC, what do you think of Southern California? The Trojans. Okay. When I say Carolina, what do you think of Tar Heels? Carolina Blue. North Carolina is Carolina Tar Heels. Carolina Blue. Carolina South Carolina is South Carolina. People were DMing us all weekend, tweeting us, saying you're you're really alienating a whole fan a whole fan base over there. I'm like, dude, it's not that deep. It is not that deep. Doesn't mean I think of a team more or less. Like, relax. Carolina, I grew up in Georgia. I grew up in the Southeast. I grew up with Carolina fans, South Carolina fans. That's what people call it. It's Carolina Tar Heels, Carolina Heel, Diamond Heel, South Carolina Gamecock, USC at Southern California. It's not an offensive. It's not a ranking thing. It's just the society, that's what society calls them. When I moved from Texas to Georgia, 
one of the biggest things that blew my mind was people would call Tennessee UT. And I don't, that's Texas. UT is Texas. And it, it, dude, people get absolutely freaking pissed about like the who is the real USC, who's the real UT, who's Carolina, who's not. It's a bad dude. It's a heated topic, but it's a heat. It's a heat. I love it though because I mean it's passionate. And people really defend their schools or whatever. But like UT is Texas, Tennessee is Knoxville. If you say UT, you have to say Knox, UT Knoxville. Yeah, Tennessee. Like, it's not UT Austin. It it's just UT. It's UT. You don't. Say, you don't, You guys don't say Austin at all, do you? No. No way. No. It's you are. They are UT. They are Texas. Um, I think it's funny though. All the regional lingo and name people have that change everywhere. Oh, here's a when question. Say for... tech, when I say Tech, it's Georgia Tech. But if you say Tech somewhere else, it can, like Virginia. If you're in Virginia, you say Tech. When I say Tech, I mean in Texas Tech. See. When I say tech, I mean Georgia Tech. Here's a That's question a for thing. you. And this is an actual question. Maybe a listener can answer this. So UGA, Georgia, right? UGA. Yep. I had somebody tell me that UGA stands for University of Georgia Athens. Not GA, like the state of Georgia abbreviated is GA. It's University of Georgia Athens. Not GA like Georgia. Hold on. No, hold on. That is, I have never, and I've been here for 20, <laughs> 20 it something blew years. my mind. I have never heard someone say it's UGA, University of Georgia at Athens. I have never heard that because there is no other University of Georgia. Yeah, there is. In the University of Georgia, what? I think there's University of Georgia Savannah. There's a University of Georgia uh dude there hold on with an athletic program or any type of uh, like true undergrad like population there's no other university of georgia there's the, the georgia university system the university of georgia like whatever they call the university system the state no there's no georgia tech like georgia tech the university of uh, the georgia Te institute of technology whatever polytechnic whatever but yeah, no, UGA, I'm 99% sure it's University of Georgia and the G because what are they going to say? UG? No. I don't know. But you know what drives me insane? There's only one Miami and it's, that's, it's the school in South Florida. That's and then the they U, say you the U for Minnesota. No. Um, okay. But, you're right. Uh, there is no UG, anything else. I don't, dude, someone told me that. And I was like, are you serious? Like, it's University of Georgia Athens. And There's I was no, like, I always thought it was GA as in Florida is FL and Texas is TX and Louisiana LA. I was thinking uh, University of Georgia that way. But all right. Though that was that was just something funny that came across a few weeks ago that I forgot to mention. Hey, um, do you have any other notes on your thing before we get into like some of the like? week two because we wanted to maybe possibly change some of our picks. I think that was a good final topic to end the show on. Yeah. I wanted to say the eight teams for Omaha. That I've been teasing here for Go a ahead. while. So I tweeted it out. You guys can look at it on my Twitter, but if there was a regional played today, just based off of the eyeball test that I've seen through the first two weeks, these are my eight teams right now in, in the order one through eight. Number one, Florida Gators. I think I really do think they are the best team in the country right now. 
Number two, I think, is Wake Forest. And they've given me every reason to believe that I was wrong with my hot take that they were going to be bad this year. Well, Maybe stop saying changed. that. Why do we keep doing this? Stop saying that. We both said pre we both said when they hit ACC play, when they're not they're not gonna win an ACC championship. We never said they're not gonna be good. We said they're not gonna win the ACC because they're not a blue blood program. That's yeah, essentially but what, what we but said. what I've seen from them, I'm telling you, I think this is an ACC. They did this last team. year too. Ben, they did this last year too. They beat the shit out of a shitty team. Um, when they face real competition, we'll see. Okay, well, they're still my number two team right now. Number three, LSU. Obviously, the talent's all there with LSU. They did really disappoint me against Iowa. Um, number four, Florida State. I, I have every reason to believe Florida State can win hey, a national championship this year. LSU. We have we have yet to really see Christian Little start in the weekend, and we have yet to see what's his name from UCLA. Thatcher Hurd. Thatcher Hurd. We well, Thatcher Hurd looked that. terrible against Southern. Yeah, he got pulled after an inning and two thirds or two innings. Just couldn't yeah, locate. So if they the ball. reach their potential, things might the outlook on LSU might change real quick. Yeah, and it and it's a marathon for LSU. It's not a sprint. They're not in any no. kind of rush to. I want. The, I want. They need their best baseball in May, not now. Yeah. So, um, I have Ole Miss at five, big series win, statement win over a good Maryland team, East Carolina six. I don't have Stanford in my top eight. They, Stanford okay. hasn't okay. impressed me yet. Oh, okay. Um, East Carolina six, Virginia seven. Uh, I really like this Virginia team a lot. Big time sleeper in the ACC. Would not surprise me if they won it. And then number eight, Tennessee. Tennessee obviously dominated this past weekend, but that first opening weekend, they they weren't they didn't have their best players playing. They, their offense kind of scared me. Tough environment. When when they're playing a a tough pitcher, their offense doesn't scare me like it did last year. Maybe maybe that'll change. And of course, I think. Tennessee has just as good of a shot to to win a national championship than anybody on this list. But I got to see some more out of hitting good pitching. But those are my eight teams. I, I think there's a big drop-off after that. I, I'm not impressed with Stanford yet. Big names on the team, you know, all-time talent. But they, they keep playing these close games against a Rice or a Cal State Fullerton. Um, they, I think they lost to Cal in a midweek. Those things don't impress me yet. Anyway, so I, those are my eight teams right now. Probably none of those eight will go to Omaha, but whatever. All right, how do you want to end the show here? Do you want to preview the midweek? Um, you want to preview the midweek? And so I have our preseason picks for each conference. We Remember we talked about we would you have a one-time chance to make an adjustment to it. Okay. So I'm going to roll through the conferences, and you're, and I'm going to either decide if I want to make a change or if you want to make a change. This is our one opportunity to make up change. Okay. So I'm, I have my notepad here. I'm going to roll through them one by one. We'll go fast because we're not going to stop on every one. Here we go. ACC, you pick Florida State, and I pick Florida State. Are you sticking with it? Yeah, I'll stick with it. Okay, the AAC. You picked East Carolina. I picked UCF. Are you making a change? I'm sticking with it. I'm sticking with UCF too. 
I think I think those are going to be the one and number one and number two teams in the conference, no doubt about it. America E, you picked NJIT. I picked Binghamton. Listen, I, think NJ- I like my Binghamton pick. NJIT is the best team in that conference. Okay. Atlantic Sun. I picked Liberty, or you picked Liberty. I picked Florida Gulf Coast. I'm not changing my pick. You know who's a sneaky team that I might switch it to? Lipscomb. Big series win opening weekend against Notre Dame. Um, I actually, I'm going to switch it to Kennesaw State. You're going to switch your pick. We have a pick, switch, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. Atlantic switch. Sun, who are you switching to? Let's go Kennesaw State. I, I, I watched them play um, against New Orleans opening weekend for – it was like on Flow Sports or something. They won the game like 12-0 or 12-0. Okay. I'm, I'm sticking with Florida Gulf Coast. I like what I've seen so far. Here is where we might have a double switch. We are on the Atlantic 10. You pick Davidson and I pick Davidson. I'm going to stick with Davidson. I, so there's the nobody Atlantic else out there that's... So that's, the Atlantic Sun, there are a couple choices out there that I, I'm... And I'm, I'm changing my pick. Um... But it's Davidson, Rhode Island, St. Louis, George Mason, VCU, St. Joseph, Richmond. Those are your top team. I am switching my pick to Rhode Island. They just they beat Mercer two out of three this weekend. I think Rhode Island will win the Atlantic. I'm going to change my pick. Okay. Um. Big 12. You picked TCU. I picked Oklahoma State. Hey, I'm going to switch. No. Wow, if you would have given me one more week, I could have switched. I like Texas Tech a lot. Texas Tech, it feels feels like they're back. Make a switch. Do you want to stick with it or roll with it? I'm going to stick with TCU. They'll be fine. Okay, I'm sticking with Oklahoma State. Really? All right. Okay. What? That's that's. I thought you would switch there, but no. Big East. You picked UConn. I picked Creighton. I saw Creighton play all three games this weekend against Coastal. Creighton has no pitching, none, zero. I'll stick with UConn. Actually, do you want me here? The here's the Big East. Here's what they have this year. I'm going to stick with Georgetown, Creighton, St. John's, UConn. Basically. Yeah, I'm gonna stick. I'm gonna stick with UConn. I'm gonna stick with Creighton. I mean, I'm I don't I'm not convinced enough to change it. Big South. Do I even need to say it? Campbell. Nope, we skip it. Campbell. Skip it. Here we go. Big Ten. You pick Nebraska. I pick Maryland. I'm sticking with Nebraska. Hey, the wow. Cornhuskers looked thought, good this weekend against South Alabama. Yeah, that's a good. I mean, they they should have won one of the games against San Diego first weekend. And they just their pitching staff was so out of whack. They just couldn't get people out. But they played much better this past weekend against South Alabama. I like Nebraska. Okay. I'm sticking with Maryland. I thought you were going to make a irrational switch and go with Iowa or something. Nope. Nice. Big West. You went with Santa Barbara. And I, I wanted to go Santa Barbara, but I wanted to have fun with that pick and fade Santa Barbara for fun. And I took Fullerton. I'm sticking with Fullerton, but if if I were to switch, I would go with the Irvine. 
No, Santa Barbara's the best team in that conference. Team. I still think they're the best. Quit team trying to too, be cute really, with it. You're I trying really to be cute with it. I really want to be right. I really want to be right on, on Fullerton, and I, I think they'll be okay. Colonial Charleston. I pick Charleston. You pick Charleston. I want to switch to Northeastern. To Northeastern. Yeah. Charleston looked like shit this weekend, by the way. I know, and Northeastern. Again, really good offense. They're averaging like 10.4 runs a game. They've played UNCG, which is a regional team last year. They've played Indiana State, who's usually pretty good in the Missouri Valley. Um, and yeah, they're, they're what are okay. they, five and one this year? I'm, I, I'm going to stick with Charleston, but I could totally see Northeastern making noise. Conference USA. You took UTSA. I took FAU. Do we have any changes? I'm tempted to take Dallas Baptist, but UTSA six and two this year, and I mean, I don't, I don't hate them. I think FAU is going to be really good this year. I think that theory that Dallas Baptist is going to be for for the conference title. Yeah, I'm going to stick with UTSA. Sticking with UTSA? All right. Horizon. Oh, my God. You picked Rice State, and I picked Rice State. I don't want to make a change that's just premature and irrational. That team is going to win. But, man, they have not looked very good so far, considering they played at Hawaii and at Kentucky. But they've got two wins. Yeah. I mean, Wright State uh, runs that conference. Huh? Wright State runs that conference. Uh, I'm still, I'm still sticking They're with They're two them. and five. They ain't playing any competition like Kentucky and Hawaii in that conference. No, no way. I'm not changing. Uh, no way. Um, Ivy League. You took Columbia and I took Penn. I want Penn. You want to switch to Penn? I knew it. I knew. <laughs> I want Penn. I knew you were coming to the Penn train. Penn can pitch the baseball, man. I know they, they can. They, they shut down for the most part South Carolina's offense, other than a few home runs. I mean, they gave up some bombs, but for the most By part. By the way, Penn had that conference won last year. They lost Heartbreaker at the end of Columbia. And I Penn forgot won. about that. They're going to have a chip on their shoulder. They're going to win the conference this year. Okay. Metro Atlantic. You took Fairfield. I took Ryder, who, by the way, Won a game at Oklahoma. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and just say who cares, but I'll stick with Fairfield. I mean, what are they? I haven't even seen who they've played this year. You, you're taking. You're going to stick with Fairfield. Yeah, they yeah, won two out of three I'm, against I'm George Washington. So that's all I need to hear. Right. <laughs> you're 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 sticking you're sticking with Fairfield. Yep. Mid American. You, you took Ball State, and I took Kent State. Hey, Kent State's pretty good this year. They're good, man. Hey, Kent State. They're two and four. Good. Kent State's the best two and four team in the country. One, two out of three At against Jacksonville, Jacksonville and, and then Wofford. they got swept against Wofford. But I think Wofford's a top ten mid-major team, maybe top fifteen. But yeah, um, I'll stay with I'll stay with Ball State. I, I still think that. I mean, they played a tough one. They lost three out of four against Charlotte. So what? Charlotte's really good. Um, They'll, they'll, they'll win the conference. I like Ball State. All right. Missouri Valley. We both we both took Evansville. And 
I don't want to say I'm concerned, but I'm concerned. Well, they lost the they first five swept. games of the season. They got swept by Troy, lost the midweek Kentucky, and then won two out of three against Eastern Michigan. I think it's an overreaction, but I'm I'm worried. Mm. I'm tempted to switch here, but no, I'm not. I, I think if I were to switch, I would switch to Missouri State. But I'm not going to. Yeah, I'm not going to. Give me give me Evansville. Good. Stick with it. I was about to tell you to just stick with it. Mountain West. You took Fresno State. I took UNLV. Well, I mean, I think New Mexico is the best team in the conference. Oh, that's, a, that's an overreaction. It's way too early to make that claim. I do want to switch. I want to switch to... I, I'm not sold on Fresno State. I am going to switch to New Mexico. New Mexico. Okay. Just to keep in a little tracker here, Ben, you have made four you have made four changes. I have made one so far. Okay. We are now moving on to the northeast. I don't really you picked Wagner. And I picked Long Island. Hey, Wagner's Wagner three and three. Is... What? I like Wagner. I'll stick with him. By the way, Long Island has not won a game yet. They've got swept by Winthrop, got swept by Kennesaw State. Things that, that that's not good. Um. Okay. Next conference. Ohio Valley. You took Southern Indiana, and I took Semo. Southern Indiana's five and three this year, dude. Pretty good. They've won both we both weekend eight, series. Hey, Morehead State eight and no. But there's the Morehead State's they, played, they, they such played a, those Helen Keller School of the Blind. They've played four against North, Norfolk State and four against St. Peter's. They that's, should be eight. That's the easiest schedule in the country. By far. Has to be. I'm sticking with SEMO. They're they're I'm still sticking the daddy, with I'm I'm still sticking the daddy, with the Southern Indiana, the Screaming Eagles, the Screegles. I, I love it. I love that you took that team. Pac-12. I've got Stanford. You've got Stanford. I'm. Hmm. Yeah, I mean Stanford's going to win the conference. <laughs> hey, you know who? You know who's really making noise early that I don't think it's been loud. Cal, Cal. Cal. Yeah. the Golden Bears. They look good so far. Um, UCLA, I think it's going to be UCLA, Stanford, Cal, and Oregon or Oregon State. It's going to be your top four teams in that conference, which I don't think is really a bold statement. Patriot, I don't think we need. I'm not. We both took Army. I don't Army think just took that. two. Army just took two out of three against Charlotte. Yeah, I'm not. Army, that. Army. Yeah, I don't think Army losing that conference. That's their conference for the next ten years. Okay. SEC. I'm really curious to hear this one. I took Tennessee and you took Tennessee. I'm gonna switch to I'm gonna switch to Florida. That's so annoying because I would that's the, if I was gonna make a switch, that's what it was gonna be. I think throughout the whole course of the SEC, 
Florida is going to win pretty much every Sunday game. And I, I trust their – man, that's tough. I love Tennessee. I love LSU. Arkansas is going to be really good. Ole Miss is sneaky good. I just don't know if Ole Miss has the pitching. I I'm really to want to switch. I really want to switch to the Florida, but I hate switching if I'm not super confident in it. So I'm just going to stick with Tennessee. But I really want to. I really, really want to switch to Florida. Oh my god! I really want to switch to Florida. Um, you know what? Oh my God, do I want to do this? Do I want to do this? Do I want to do this? You know what? Nope, I'm sticking with Tennessee. Okay, next conference, SoCon. You took Mercer, I took Wofford. I know you want to switch. I know you do. I mean, Mercer has shown so many weak points this year. They don't have guys to get people out. <laughs> um. I mean, Wofford's the best team in the conference. I'll switch to Wofford. Switching to Wofford. Welcome to the dark side, Ben. That might help Mercer. Maybe the, maybe the Ben Upton jinx will lead them away from... I mean, maybe they'll win more games now. All right. Got, ben, you have made one, two, three, four, five, six switches. I've made one. All right. Southland. You're changing this pick. I know you are. I think I am too. But Southland, you took the Houston Christian Huskies. I don't know where that came from. Hey. <laughs> that was a pure Hail Mary, desperation, blind pick. And I took McNeese, who I'm really concerned about. I, I want to make a switch, and I want to I switch it to southeastern Louisiana. Why, dude? That's who I was switching to. I'll switch to Lamar if you want me to. No, you can switch southeastern because I I'm gonna do it too anyway. All right, we both are switching to southeastern off of McNeese and Houston Christian. What what what? Can you be honest? I need a a rewind in your mind. What were you? What what why? What made you pick Houston Christian? Lance Berkman. I, I said it on Love the for Lance Berkman. I said it on the podcast. I said I have no reason to believe they're going to win this conference, but it'd be really cool if I picked them and they did win it. That's all. Yep, <laughs> fair enough. I think it's hilarious. I think it's really cute that you took Houston Christian. <laughs> um, fun belt. This is interesting. I want. I'm interested in this one. You. We both took Georgia Southern. Yeah, and I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna switch. No, I'm gonna stay. I'm gonna stay the same. I, I I think Georgia Southern is gonna end up winning the conference. I'm I I don't think I'm switching if unless it's in the next five seconds. But if I really wanted to switch, it would be to Louisiana. Yeah, I just don't know if Louisiana can sustain it all year. Uh, I I don't like Georgia Southern. Obviously, they've been winning game. And last year, they did the same thing. They couldn't win the midweek. They had leads and they blew them. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember. Like they had so many leads in midweek and they blew them. Um, 
West Virginia, that's a good series win to start the year. Hey, but here's what's glaring to me. Sunday against West Virginia, they lost 13 to 4. Sunday against ETSU today, they lost 10 to 2. Sunday's in bad me, form. That shows me that they don't have a Sunday guy yet. Maybe he's in the bullpen. Maybe the young guy that is eventually going to take over that Sunday role, freshman that still kind of has to earn that spot. And then they lost George Tech in the midweek. Which, what that shows me is their pitching staff is not as deep as I would like it to be to make it because they're not going to win every Friday and Saturday in the Sun Belt. Yeah, it's not going to happen. If they can't win on Sunday, that tells me we have we have an issue at hand. And I I think it's too early for me to take Louisiana. But I just don't want to change. I, I just don't want to change because I just bring bad karma. So I'm going to stick with Southern. All right, SWAC. I'm not changing it, but if you want to, you can. You took Florida A&M. I took Alabama State. The uh, Yeah, I mean, Florida A&M has not looked good, um, but they did beat Southern. <laughs> uh, that was hilarious gonna, the way you said that. Yeah, I mean <laughs> – they just I'm haven't gonna, looked good. I'm going to take Southern here. I, I'm going to switch. The SWAC goes to the Southern Jaguar. Okay. All right. I'm going. I'm going to stick. Wait. I. I just. Oh yes. Alabama State. I'm going to stick with Alabama State. Let me look at their schedule. Purdue, Fort Wayne, Troy, Grambling, Southern. They beat Southern. Okay, I'm sold. I'm sticking with Alabama State. All right. The Summit. We both took Omaha. I'm switching to Oral Roberts. That was so dumb of us not to pick him. I'm, I'm, switching, right I'm switching to Oral Roberts, too. Listen to these records right now. Northern Colorado, 0-3. They've lost... Um, 30 to 1, 11 to 3, and 18 to 2. Then we have Western Illinois, who's 1 and 7, Omaha 1 and 6, St. Thomas 1 and 5, North Dakota State 1 and 5, South Dakota State 1 and 2, and then Oral Roberts 6 and 2. And they're they won two out of three against Texas State. Uh, if you don't switch to Oral Roberts, you're an idiot. Yeah, I'm I'm taking Oral Roberts. I think we both took Omaha because of one player. Yeah, we literally took Oral Roberts because of one player. and. You know, you know how baseball works. That that's not going to work out for you. All right, West Coast. You took BYU and I took San Diego. Yeah, I'm switching to San Diego very quickly. Don't forget Portland is in the West Coast. Yeah, San Diego is the better team, though. It wouldn't surprise me if come April, Portland's like not even in our mid-major top twenty-five. They might have had just one good weekend. Oh, that, 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 that's exactly what's going to end up happening. Portland is just going to be in that fourth, fifth, sixth place range fighting for 500. Yeah. When it comes to April and May. So I'm going, I'm, I'm, I'm sticking with San Diego. Okay. We've got one more. Oh, yeah. We're not changing this. The whack. We both put Grand, we took Grand Canyon. But you know what? The whack has been the most surprising conference to me. We have Sacramento State at five and one, Abilene Christian seven and two, UT Rio Grande Valley six and two, and they have a stud on on Friday nights that had like seventeen Sam strikeouts. Houston. Sam Houston, 
Tarleton State's not bad. Cal Baptist upset Oklahoma. I mean, there's a there's a lot of good teams in this conference, but Grand Canyon's going to win it. So I'm going to stick with Grand they're Canyon. Gonna, they're going to win it. And if they if they don't win it, it's going to be some crazy shit late in the year. Some team is just keeping close and then bang. They just take mm-hmm. the lead at the end. I think that's what it's going to come down to. Um, but yeah, there's no reason for me to switch off Grand Canyon. So there you have it. Ben, you made one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten switches. You a third switched. of my conferences. <laughs> you just switched a third of your conferences. I made one, two. I made three. I, I made three changes. I might so, have yeah. just got. I might have just got suckered into like who's playing good right now. Yeah, very much overreaction. I will say um, there was you know, there was fun about. There was three of those conferences. I absolutely had to make a change, though. Oh yeah, oh, Omaha to Oral I Roberts to, is I huge. Had to take Oral Roberts. Yeah, I had to get rid of Houston Christian. Um, that I was had, a- I, I didn't have to get off McNeese in the Southland, but I just don't feel good about them. Yeah, and then I one hundred percent had to get off Davidson in the Atlantic Ten. No, dude, I think Davidson's still good. I, I don't know, man. I just don't feel it, it's a hundred percent overreaction. Yeah, but I I think Rhode, I like Rhode Island. Nice. Um, well, uh, does that pretty much wrap up everything for this episode? Yeah, I think that's all we've got. I mean, that was a, a solid two hours of a lot of stuff. Um, hey, if you haven't joined the Discord and you're still contemplating it, I don't know what you're waiting for. Dollar ninety nine, and you're in the greatest group chat of all time. Um, people are pretty busy in there. I mean, I woke up the other night at five o'clock in the morning and there were two dudes in there discussing get their betting picks for the day. And I was like, wow, these dudes are degenerate. I yeah. love it. Um, so there is, there's activity going on at all times. People talking gambling, people talking, I don't know, their kids playing their game. I, I don't know. Talking about, I think somebody today mentioned something happening with their daughter in Florida state law. So, his, da- her, his daughter's not allowed to do that anymore for the rest of the season. I don't know, stuff like that. I thought it was pretty funny. Superstitions, traditions, inside information too. A lot of these guys yep. focus on one team and they know a lot about it. So they'll, they'll feed us some info. It's fun. It's a good little time. So, hey, And one more thing I want to discuss you on air. Would you guys, we have been talking about it. You probably noticed on our website, World Baseball Classic stuff. Would you guys be interested in an episode like on Wednesday night, it would basically just be a bonus episode every week for the next couple of weeks leading up to the World Baseball Classic and during it. Would you guys be interested in that? Because I think we're going to do it, Ben. What do you think? I'm down, dude. The World Baseball Classic is one of my favorite events of all time. I love it. I, I love it. seeing all these countries come together, play baseball. Obviously, we're a college baseball podcast, but when it comes to just free extra baseball and have it, flags and countries names across the chest it just means more and i live for it and it, we're gonna have 24 hour baseball going on for like a four-day period always games going on across the country it'll be fun across the country across the world i'm sorry across the world i forgot you're right um if you guys i think we're gonna do it regardless but if you're interested let us know um 
that is definitely, I wrote it in my like preseason little article thing that I wrote. I'm like, hey, listen, I love college baseball, but when that WBC comes, it's, uh, it's going to be my number one viewing priority <laughs> for a couple of days. Yeah. Especially at midnight, Japan kicking off, Chinese Taipei. It'll be a blast. Once every four years, we get this. Yeah. So we're definitely going to provide coverage with that. So stay tuned if you're interested in that. If you don't know anything about it, I highly recommend you start digging into it. It is freaking good baseball. Yeah, it's fun. Well, anyways, let's wrap up the show here. We're dragging on. Uh, We'll be back Thursday night for the weekend series pick them. Recap the midweeks and uh, maybe have a guest on. I don't know. We'll see if we wait. Oh, we didn't even preview the midweek. We got so caught up in changing our conference picks. It's all right. We don't need to go more any longer. We'll preview the midweeks on Twitter. I'll I'll write an article and post it on uh, the website. Hey, hey, hey. I have it up in front of me. Off the top of my head, this is literally Chris Berman's 32nd show. Miami at FAU. TCU at Dallas Baptist. Southern Miss at Mississippi State. LSU at Texas. Whoa. Those are some those are, that's, those are some big midweek. That's meaty. That is meaty midweek. That is a meaty midweek. Um, and then anything else that I can see off the top of my head. Um Clemson, USC upstate. No, Louisiana Tech at Ole Miss. Pretty decent right there. Um Mercer, Georgia Southern. It, I don't think it Anybody outside the state of Georgia cares about that one. Um, watch this. Louisiana played that McNeese. I switched my pick off of McNeese. Watch this. McNeese is going to win, beat Louisiana, put all the confidence back in me, and I'm going to be pissed off that I switched. That's, that's what's going to happen. And then out west, USC at Fullerton, Michigan at Irvine. Um, some good games on Tuesday. So. Wednesday, let's see. If, I think this is the time of the year Wednesday slows down a little bit. VCU at Carolina. Um, yeah, Wednesday's a little more slow. Louisiana Tech Ole Miss play a two two game midweek set. Grand Canyon at UNLV. Um, Sam Houston at Texas State. This little tech little Lone Star State showdown. Michigan at UCLA. So. Hey, Tuesday is a loaded slate, so if you got nothing Tuesday night, you can sit down and grab a beer and watch those games because that is some loaded stuff with um, Miami FAU, Southern Miss, at Mississippi State, which is the per- – what is where do they play that game? Pearl? Yeah, it's usually in Pearl. Pearl, yeah, Mississippi, Pearl. and it's and never, like, televised. Isn't it never mm-hmm. televised? Oh, my God. That's the game that we lose our mind over every year. It's got to be televised. Game. It's got to be televised the way, this year. By the way, that was the Tanner Hall show. That's where Tanner Hall's legacy in Southern Miss was born. Yeah, he went off that one game. Yep, TCU at Dallas Baptist. Enjoy your week, guys. In LSU at Texas. So um, enjoy your week. Got some some meat, some juice this week. Yes, sir. We'll be back Thursday. We won a national championship for, for Ole Miss and um, all the past players and all the fans across the country and for the state of Mississippi and the University of Mississippi. Uh, we did it. Uh, we're national champs. Breaking ball. Oh, my goodness. Deep right field. A grand 
Bobby White. First pitch swinging. In the air to center. D'Onofrio back and it's gone! The legend continues! Got him swinging! The Campbell Campbells, the dynasty of the Big South. And now Tony Vitello bumps the third base umpire. Set. He'll throw that as a line drive in the gap. Did he do it again? It is another ball in the gap for Morrell. Another extra. Oh, that is gone. A home run for Brian Morrell. Swing and a ball driven. Way back. And foul. No, gone. He did it. Ortiz kept it just there and walks it off with a grand slam. Titanic with a blast again. <laughs> Melendez doesn't get cheated.